Hello and welcome to episode 202 of the Random Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm... I was about to say Jason, but I'm actually Angel. What a twist. Imagine if you were also... What if it was just two Jasons? This podcast would flop faster than... What flopped recently? La Llorona? What? Was that that horror movie? Yeah, that I've heard has been getting review bomb. Well, not review bomb, because that implies that people are giving it bad reviews because they just don't want it to do well. It just got bad reviews. Yeah, it just, it just bombed. I see. Yeah. Well, it's fitting you make that reference because I feel like we're temporarily turning into a movie podcast this episode because as our title of Lights, Camera, Pikachu implies... What do you mean? Uh, the Resident Evil movie hasn't come out late. Well, but, but there's a Detective Pikachu movie. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie, or at least the trailer, which is... That is also a thing. It's, it's been through a lot. <laughs> it's really that poor movie. Um, yeah, so we, we do have some game news, too, I should be fair. There's discussion of like what makes a good game port that we're going to talk about. Um, Touch 99 surprise DLC, hints of what Nintendo's working on to attract new audiences to the Switch. We've got all that. The um, Raising Kratos documentary sure why not <laughs> it's a movie <laughs> it's a movie um but yeah it, it's interesting because like with the attracting audience thing it's not like what Nintendo's doing i mean we'll get to it later but it my theory is not what you may think it is so oh, um, really yeah wow. so a little intrigue just like a good Damn. movie there's intrigue Ooh, suspense. You, you got me hooked i know so there's uh for everyone who wants to skip around um we have timestamps at roundtown.com on episode 202 also if you're on youtube they're right under the video but at the end of the day, as has kind of been established already, what's really dominating the video game world right now, and in some ways you could say rocking the video game world, Sonic, is uh, movie adaptations. And since it is the tail end of Detective Pikachu's opening weekend, it only feels right to kind of start there. Um, as you may have surmised over the past, I don't know, six months or so, I'm kind of obsessed with this movie. Uh, as soon as the first trailer hit, I was on board, and that means I, of course side on opening night this past thursday but you you angel have not yet right no when are you planning to um as at my earliest convenience that works it actually provides us with good opportunity because what we can do is since it's opening weekend i don't think it'd be fair to start sharing spoilers this early on um so i can kind of give like my own spoiler free impressions and overarching like take on the movie and then once you see it in that subsequent episode, we can then have a sort of spoiler-filled discussion about all the negri details and your take on it and sort of re- look at it from two different angles, two different ways. So it kind of works out. Um, r- really, I'm just saying, like, the reason I'm even suggesting we do this split is because I'm way too amped up about Detective Pikachu to just, like, sit on my hands and wait for you to see it. Like, I gotta talk to someone or, like, some ones, as the case may be, with, with a podcast. So, um... Well, you have listeners. Yeah. Yeah, one thing right across me, I like to you think. You have listeners okay but no i i, I do <laughs> i do want to say i'm not i'm not i don't feel like i'm super biased i think my takeaway of the movie is pretty fair even though i was very excited for it it's just that like it's just i truly get the feeling that like a transformer fan had or a marvel fan had or a dc fan had when they see a property they absolutely truly love one that like defined their childhood be adapted to the big screen for the first time like for me personally sure transformers is cool marvel's cool dc's cool but detective pikachu there's like that personal connection like pokemon was my childhood full stop so that's why i'm like oh i need to talk about it. like it and that's why i'm so hyped i could still be i think fair but but we'll see as we go through but it's my um i'm saying it was my whole childhood there's actually this study that just came out uh that demonstrates how if you're into something like a super hardcore amount as a kid like if you develop a really strong familiarity with it it can actually rewrite your brain to some extent 
So they use Pokemon to prove this, which is the reason I'm bringing it up. It's kind of funny. But they got something like 11 experienced Pokemon fans who started playing when they were like five or eight years old. And they compared them against 11 folks who did not do that. And what they did is they showed them images in some of the first 150 Pokemon. Um, and a specific region of the experienced player's brain would light up when they saw the Pokemon. It was a different region of their brain than if they saw a face or a picture or an object. Like, you know, typical everyday stuff is like a specific like fandom Pokemon region thing. Um, and I, what I'm saying is like, if you're curious about the study, we have a fuller link um, in the blog post. But what I'm saying is like, I'm that guy. Like, Pokemon, I have the Pokemon region in my brain. Like, Pokemon is that movie, that adaptation that clicks with me on a deeper level, which is why I'm so excited to talk about it. I mean, I'm sure you I know. Jason, I know. Jason Fenlon goes deep. I mean, he's beaten every game. Hey, hey, you he's, can be a fan. Well, he's watched all the shows. Actually, this is something I kind of wanted to ask you. Like, um, would you consider yourself a Marvel fan? Mm-hmm. So would it be fair for me to be like, oh, man, you're, hey, you're a Marvel fan, so can I recommend you, like, Spider-Man number 25 from Superior So Front? fandoms come in many shapes and no, sizes No, I know. I know, I know that, yeah, but I mean, like... If, I'm a do, Marvel movie fan. So, yeah, so you... So, I mean... I'm not saying this like other like oh you're not a true Marvel fan. I'm just kind of asking in general, like just like an open-ended question, because I feel like it's kind of interesting that I feel like a lot of people like I would say like yeah that you could be considered a Marvel fan. The MCU is so big at this yeah. point that I mean it, it, so it doesn't just Marvel doesn't necessarily just mean comic books, but right that example also bring up also means that like it's still very much divided because I feel I guess at least in your case, even in my case and even some other things like I probably would never. Like read, mm, yeah. Like I, I, I myself would probably. Well, okay, we'll get to you. We, you probably no, go would, ahead. Say what you guys say. Not be easier if I just go with your example. Like, okay. like even though like yeah, you consider yourself a Marvel fan, you probably would never read a Marvel comic. You not will, usually. But here's the thing. No, I know what defines no, yeah. a fan. I know, exactly. It's a good question. I know exactly. It's, it's. I think there is a mindset. I mean, like you could easily just say like, well, all right, fine, I'm an MCU fan because that. Does... Well, I could also just say Marvel because here's the thing. The only people that care what type of fandom you are are the ones that want to be the OG hipster fans first and are gatekeeping it. So, like, your Pokemon question. Oh, you beat every game. You've seen every episode. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. But it controlled my childhood. It was – I have three giant duffel bags of just merch sitting in my closet. I have thousands of Pokemon cards. I did the Pokemon train card game. I watched it every day before school. Like, I – at whatever level, I was like, I'm a hardcore fan. Look at me, little Jason. I was. Like, it was my childhood, even if it wasn't the same – Pokemon experience that you had with your childhood with Pokemon or that little Timmy I remember his name this time our fictional kid may have now with Pokemon in the modern day like it's different but like it's how I feel like fandom to me at least is how it relates fandom to you. is scary fandom in the positive sense should be how it relates to you as an individual fandom in the negative sense is all that gatekeeping stuff and the idea that like, you're not a true fan unless you do this or unless you do that. Like, I could be a Marvel fan and I know the ins and outs of the movies and I just don't care about the comic books. And, like, someone on the other end of this recording is probably like, that's not a Marvel fan, but why not? I'm well-versed and invested in this slice of Marvel and I'm a fan of it. Thus, by definition, I'm a fan of Marvel. So it's just, it's just you know, how people want to interpret it. Yeah. But... Yeah, I but, mean, yeah. I mean, like, but but to the Pokemon thing, like, because I was saying, like, for me, my childhood, like, this is the first time movies where I've been like, oh my god, this is my movie, like, it's my thing on the big screen. But you've gone through this a few times. Transformers did it. Ninja Turtles did it. Like, what do you? How do you feel when you've had it happen? When you see your beloved thing suddenly on a big screen and being different, maybe, than what you were used to it being, be it a cartoon, a comic, a toy, you know, whatever it may be. What was that like for you? Because I'm just curious. Because now I've now I've lived through it. Now I kind of get it. You know what I mean? Um, like, were you happy? Were you disappointed? Was it like you were able to gloss over 
problems with it because you're like, oh, well, I, I understand know. what it, they're it, doing. It, it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like all over the place. Like, for example, like the Bumblebee Transformers. Like, even mm-hmm. though the Bumblebee, the recent Bumblebee movie, like, even though it was only there for like a few seconds, like the brief appearance of Soundwave as he looked in the G1 cartoon, even though I wasn't around for that cartoon. Right. Like, I did eventually get, like, obsessed with it, like, around college and collected, like, every Soundwave. Like, I just became a huge Soundwave and G1 fan. Yeah. And when I finally got to see him in his, like, high-res, redesigned, but homage, glory, like, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty indescribable. Like, I think I even shed a tear. Okay, it, I didn't do that for Deck Picture. I did have the goofiest smile for, like, the first 10 minutes. Like, I mean, even just... I literally like, couldn't I'm, stop like, like, pretty much, like, everything in that, like, when it was set in Cybertron, it was just like, wow, this is like exactly what I've always wanted. Yeah. It's just like, like pretty much bliss. Like it's like, I, yeah, it was almost like indescribable. It was like a payoff that you didn't know you'd ever get. And that's, and right. That's, yeah. And that's yeah. like, and that's like for Transformers. Like I would say like, still want something I really, really care about, but it's probably on the bottom rung of things that I really, really care about. Right. Right. So like Pokemon is definitely, I don't know, maybe like number two or three. What's number one? Well, number one is Ninja Turtles. Okay, sorry, yeah. just for the listeners at home. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon. I don't know. Probably be probably be number three because I think two have to be something like Disney related. Because what I love about Disney is that without even having like a string of sequels or without yeah. even having an established franchise, mm-hmm. like I could, a lot of their movies can still get like this emotional response from me, even though I'm meeting a lot of these characters for this first time and there's like nothing else. Just like, the atmosphere just of it re- all. Just really good stories, really good character right. development. It's like those will still have me shedding tears sometimes but yeah after that it'd probably be pokemon so i would imagine i don't know i don't know if there's any sneezles or chat well i know there's a sneasel but there, there i don't know if it's in chat toss but there's not yeah that i saw now yeah, spoiler there's so much for no spoilers spoiler what well, what spoiler the thing you want to see won't be there and you'll be disappointed i feel like that's not a spoiler well yeah that is okay fine sorry i won't say anything more about uh, the individual pokemon but yeah, but I mean, like on the Ninja Turtle side, I was too young to really watch um, the first two movies in theaters. I saw them right. on VHS. Like, yeah, because those came out in like what ninety one. Yeah, like so I, you were like two. I mean, like, yeah, even if I did, I wouldn't remember. Yeah, and the more recent Ninja Turtle movies, I don't know. Like, I mean, we're kind of good at just like discerning quality from the first few times. You could almost tell, like, all right, that movie's going to be at the very least good. Like when we saw yeah. the the Pokemon Detective Pikachu trailer, like the first one. Like, without even knowing anything, you know, like, all right, this is going to be at least good. Yeah. All the Ninja Turtle movies after the second one, like, literally the second one out of one, two, three, five, out of the six. Uh-huh. Like, haven't really been that good. great in theater. Yeah, like, right. the the fourth one was, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really what I wanted from an all-CG Ninja Turtle movie. There was one scene in it that I thought was, like, oh, my God, this is, like, amazing. Why didn't the whole movie do this? So... But, like, the Nickelodeon ones with the Michael Bay attached to them not he didn't direct he was produced people just call them the Bay Turtles he exec produced it yeah it his, uh, team yeah it's yeah. like when like we saw the trailers for those like my brother and I were kind of like alright like it's not really what we want we're gonna watch it we'll, yeah. we'll enjoy it but it's not like yeah no sound wave I, moment I like think that. you sort of touched on it indirectly by saying Detective Pikachu looked good and like there's like the sound wave moment is I think it boils down to and this is what I really appreciate about Detective Pikachu I think it boils down to if it's a passion project of the people involved is it a cash in or are they actually like wanting to do right by the franchise yeah like i if if i was a big spider-man fan i would have probably shed way more tears on spider-verse like spider-verse yeah and even without that like i still shed tears because it was just amazing right and and you can tell so the biggest takeaway i have with detective pikachu is you can tell like a hundred percent this was a passion project 
like through and through. I mean, I was, I was actually just reading um, on Vulture before I came over here a story. It kind of chronicles how the movie came to be, and what's interesting is apparently the producers tried for seven years to make this thing happen, and it was all sparked by a specific producer named um, oh, what was his name? K- I, I thought I wrote it down. Kale Boyder. There it is. And he so apparently he um, used to play the Pokemon train card game with his kids, his elementary school age kids, and was like, "This would be cool to do a movie," and just started cold calling the Pokemon company and being like, "Hey." I'd love to do a movie. Like, I'm actually into this. Like, it's not just like, like I want to do this. And they kept saying no, because like, who's this random dude in LA that wants to make a movie? And, uh, oh, you know, they kept trying this for years. And then he ended up working at Legendary with a couple other producers. And Legendary, you may not know, those listening, I'm pretty sure you know, Angel, is the uh, company behind the new Godzilla movies. The one what? I know, they the are? one in 2014 and the one now. And the company that have been known for like giant monsters, like God's they're also known for King the Dark Knight trilogy. And... Yeah, but not everyone follows us that closely. So I'm just trying to yeah. set that. But yeah, um, so Legendary does that. He now works at Legendary. Legendary works with Toho on Godzilla. Toho, coincidentally, is the Japanese animated Pokemon movie distributor. That's so Godzilla. Yes. So <laughs> they. Um, so he got. Led, or he got Toho to vouch for him and his production team and he finally secured a meeting with the Pokemon company this is in 2016 and he goes so he's been trying since like 2012 right and in 2016 he finally gets through and they go they meet they pitch their movie and then the Pokemon company apparently goes actually we have a different idea sign this NDA okay cool see this game Detective Pikachu we're making it's not out yet do a movie of this that's the only way we'll let you do it and he's like hey it's still Pokemon I'm still into it and they made it work but yeah, it was all because this one guy played the cards with his kid, and it's like I really want this to become a thing, and just was so annoyingly persistent. Did she know wasn't the case happened. of Sonic? I know. Well, we'll get to Sonic after Detective Pikachu. I want I want to start on a positive note, and then we can dip down and come back up. But uh, yeah, the thing about um, Detective Pikachu is like now that I've seen it, and I kind of alluded to this with the trailers. I think you noticed it with the trailers too, Angel. But like you can tell that people cared about it all along the way. Like sure. You know, there's little things where they could say, like, oh, yeah, we filmed on 35mm film to get capture that film noir vibe. And it's like, that's great. Okay. You could just say you did that. But, yeah, I mean, you, could, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a minor thing. Wow, Jason. No, no, but I mean, like, any movie could be like, oh, yeah, we wanted to capture a film noir vibe, so we did it. Like, that's not a passion thing. But what is a passion thing, what truly shines through, is how much attention to detail they gave to the world in Detective Pikachu. Like, they're... Even in the like first part of the movie, especially like especially early on, there are all these lingering shots. They just kind of pan around the world. They're following flying Pokemon. They sort of just give you a sense of how like majestic Rhyme City looks, and it's it's really just majestic. extremely, yeah, it's really just extremely well done world building. It's majestic. Yeah, it's my fa- it's my favorite part of the movie. Like hands down, the the world, the living breathing Pokemon world is just so. Majestic. cool and majestic like the environments are great the pokemon are great the pokemon in the environments interacting with the environments are great like it's it's it's, it's great <laughs> it's exactly what but not majestic just great no it, it, <laughs> i said i think i triggered you into saying majestic initially i think i said yeah because that, i made it sound like so amazing but then you just kind of downgrade it to great no no, no i'm saying that the the shots of the city they do all these like panning up at the skyscrapers where it looks like this big majestic crazy city ah yeah great great yeah it's great and majestic and super um, but no, it's it's exactly like what I envisioned a living, breathing Pokemon world would be when I first became a fan. Like, you know, back when I was nine years old, 1998, Pokemon Red and Blue come out. Playing so the game, the I was like, this is what I kind of envisioned. When you were listening to the song, we all live in a Pokemon world? Yeah. This was my Pokemon world that I thought we could all live in. <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, it was just really, it like perfectly captures the idea of what like a Pokemon world with humans and Pokemon being side by side would be. And what's cool is with Rhyme City... 
it's like even more so than maybe I would have imagined because as anyone who played the 3DS Detective Pikachu knows, um, and this is a key part of the plot in the movie as well, no spoilers, it's just the setting, but the idea behind Rhyme City is that unlike other parts of the Pokemon world, it's not about capturing and battling and training. It's about working together Pokemon and humans side by side in the world. And I know it sounds like I'm a cheesy logline of a movie right now, but like they really do a good job of showing that. Like early in the movie, there's... Lapita can't do nothing. No, really. I mean, there's there's a there's a fight scene, like an the underground trailer... fight scene. It's yeah, in the but, trailer. But that, yeah, but that's but it's unsanctioned. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Peta, like yeah, they can't do anything. It's and Peta also, approved. also Pokemon aren't real Peta, so there's that <laughs> but um no but like early in the movie there's there's this really brief I think they get those memos but they just eat them they, they just inter- they, inter- they, ta- they change the p in their name to pokemon even though it doesn't make sense because it's the a that needs to change they change the p it's like i believe they made a whole game based on the fact that mario had the tanuki yeah the tanuki. yeah like, like he skinned it, a squirrel alive yeah, like or a raccoon alive. A leaf. yeah but you know but they're saying why is he wearing fur but it's not fur it's leaf yeah leafy fur leaf leaf hair but um yeah no the thing i was gonna say is like they do a really good job of showing the world and early on in the movie not really a spoiler don't worry but they show this little informational video that plays to tim the main character in the movie explaining a rhyme city and how it is and there's always cool little clips like the pokemon and the trainers have i said like there's squirtles helping firefighters put out fire and i'm like oh that's neat. wait is this the same movie that i saw because the movie i saw just had pikachu dancing for oh the two hour, hour leak um so I watched all of that. And I mean, it's it was weird great, how little it lined up. I mean, it was a great movie, like ten it out was, of ten. Right? But, yeah, yeah. How great! But that was that. But that was advertised as Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Well, it wasn't advertised; it was leaked as Detective Pikachu, quote unquote. How great of a marketing move was that? By the way, that thing was everywhere. It was numbered like two on trending today on YouTube. I mean, of all the franchises that I feel don't have to market that hard, I'm surprised they marketed this. I because they had Ryan Reynolds and his Deadpool marketing is so good that they basically did a kid version of it. But is it true that I've been hearing that it's not doing so hot as people had hoped, or is that just no, um, well, you're up against Avengers. They originally were estimating 80 million based on you know. I mean, it's also early. Pokemon though, but it's also here's the deal. It made 50 million. It's, it's on track as of this recording. It's projected to make 57 million this weekend. On Friday, it made 20 million versus Avengers 18 million. So it did better. This is all U.S. numbers. So it did better on Friday here in the states than Avengers. And Whoa. on Thursday night, opening preview night, the night I went. It made something like I think I have the numbers. It made something like five million, um, around there. I want to say, and that's more than Spider Verse made its opening night. That's more than How to Make Train Your Dragon made its opening night. That's more than like I mean, Batman I figured made its opening get night. So it's, it's like of, doing yeah. better than similar caliber movies. Yeah, I feel like there's no way this movie could do bad because like no, I mean since I work at the elementary school, I've been kind of like surveying kids. It's like, oh, who's gonna watch it? Who's gonna, who cares about this movie? Even the kids that I know aren't really that into Pokemon. Yeah. But everyone wants to watch it, but not everyone could watch it Thursday night because exactly you know, and, they, you know yeah. they have school. Yeah, I mean, like, so, everyone at my screening, I went at 9 p.m. screening. It was two-thirds full, and it was all dudes over 20. And girls, to be fair. It was men and women. But it was, like... you also mean dudes over 30? Well, technically, if you're over 30, you're over I know, 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yes, I am 30 now. Thank you for sharing with the <laughs> class. Um, but, no, it... Uh, yeah, it made... I found the numbers. 5.7 million on Friday. So, Spider-Verse, by comparison, made 3.5 million... How Train Your Dragon made three million. Lego Batman made two point two on their opening nights. So there's a little perspective for you. But um, where was I? What was I talking about? Oh yeah, the 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 world building. Yeah, it was cool. And they had a Squirtle Squad, not the Squirtle Squad, but a Squirtle Squad, a squad of Squirtles without sunglasses, fighting fires. But uh, oh, fun! Actually, one last thought about that video. Fun Ram Nintendo fact for you. Remember when we interviewed the Breath of the Wild voice actor who plays uh, Revali, uh Sean Chiplock? Yeah, Sean he Chiplock. has two 
voiceovers in Detective Pikachu. Oh. He plays a voice that introduces the video I was describing, and he also plays a battle arena voice during the fight scene, you know, the underground battle scene. Who knew? I mean, he knew, but who else knew? Well, now everyone, because it's known. But who knew prior to that? <laughs> so yeah, kind of a weird little random town connection to the movie is that the dude we interviewed is in it. Yeah, speaking of voice um, actors, just a really quick side anecdote. Yeah. So I learned recently that Charles Martinet had an uncredited role in an Xbox exclusive game. I think it's called Really Wild Run. It's pretty much like Mario Kart, but without the Mario cart. or cart. You're just running, and it's like a the characters, and you know, it's like a I think it was rated. It's like rated T or rated M or something. But essentially, Charles Martinet plays like a dinosaur. <laughs> that it's essentially just the Mario voice, but he's like raunchy. Really? So it's like they conquered bad third day Mario, but made him a dinosaur? Because Mario does become a dinosaur in Odyssey, briefly. But he's basically doing the Mario voice, I'm all like, oh, I wonder if that's why he is uncredited. Maybe he oh, he's uncredited. Yeah. Oh. But it's like pretty obvious, like, oh, that's clearly Charles Martinet. Interesting. I'm trying to find what the game is. Did you find the Wild? It's, it's not called run. Wild Run. Something Run, but uh, I'll find it later. Yeah, no, I'm really curious. No, no, I know uh, exactly where to look. Just okay. go back to what yeah, you were talking about. Yeah, anyway, so I was talking about Detective Pikachu, which is like my, my life's calling at this point. Um, But yeah, so what I was saying is the world's really well done is the takeaway. Um, If I were – there is one small fault I can find with the world. Like just to be fair, it's – if there is a problem with it, it may be the variety of Pokemon. Like don't get me wrong. There's a lot of Pokemon. There are over 60 Pokemon. They span multiple generations. They have roles big and small. There's some there just in the background. It's all super cool. And what I particularly enjoyed is that they didn't spoil all the Pokemon in the movie in the marketing. So there are some in there that were not publicly shown whatsoever before the movie came out, which made them, you know, just that much cooler to see for the first time. Like, oh my god, it's insert Pokemon here. I will not spoil it for you. Um... But even with that many Pokemon, like even with 60, it was hard not to notice the same Pokemon assets being kind of reused throughout the movie. Like in big crowd scenes, it'd be like, oh, there's this huge crowd scene. There's always different Pokemon, except why is like there three clusters of the same one all talking to one another? Like I get the same species would like kind of chat or hang out together, but like Where were you are there really seeing... that many like Sneasels in the <laughs> in Rhyme City? Like, are you tired it... of seeing Pangoros or something? No, or... like it was just like it's, it's the most minor of nitpicks, and I get it. Like there's only so many animation rigs they can make while staying in budget so I'm not really faulting them for it but it's just something I noticed so I'm kind of like alright this is super cool but like there's an awful lot of these specific Pokemon over and over but anyway once I got over that whole world building thing which to be fair was basically never like it kept being awesome I had a very hard time not just smiling all the way through but once I was able to stop like grinning like a goofball um, it it was also nice to appreciate like the the more subtle stuff they threw in for fans. There are Easter eggs, there are little nods, there's music cues, you know, all all the stuff that really just hammers home. Like, yep, this is Pokemon. This really is Pokemon. And uh, also, in particular, without saying anything about it, the end credits are incredibly well done. They're perhaps the best evidence of how smart Pokemon Company is for being like a whole vertically integrated company that handles all aspects of Pokemon. When you see the movie, you'll get what I mean. But I just like that is that is really slick. Um, so yeah, if you couldn't tell, I really dug the world of Detective Pikachu and what it establishes and how it lives and breeds and everything. But of course, there's also the rest of the movie, right? Like the actual meat and potatoes of it. And it it really is, it really is a new generation. Like Who Framed Robert Rabbit? Roger Robert Roger Rabbit. It uh, you know, it has humor that's surprisingly adult at times. Um, it follows the beats of a film noir detective story. Actually, it kind of follows those beats at a very fast rate. It moves very quickly. Um, and there are a good number of twists along the way, some of which are a bit predict- predictable, 
some of which are very predictable. There's one that completely caught me, caught me off guard, and I think when everyone sees it or has seen it, they know exactly which twist I'm talking about, but it was that was a good one. Um, but I think plot-wise, like without giving anything away, it was pretty good. It was fun to watch, but there are two potential downfalls to it. Uh, one is that at times the movie just has things happen because. Like they don't really like – there's no real explanation. It's just, oh, hey, so this thing occurred because, yeah, that's what happens, and you're just going to have to accept that. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, but I feel like that's particularly true for folks who maybe aren't as familiar with Pokemon. Like the, this movie is definitely made for Pokemon fans first, which, you know, is great for anyone listening right now and for me and for you, Angel. But but there are moments in the movie when looking back, I do wonder if perhaps people who aren't so tuned into the ways of Pokemon or the Pokemon world, like how confused are they by some of this stuff going on? Because they, they don't fully explain everything. And then even then, as someone who's well-versed in Pokemon, who played Detective Pikachu on 3DS, who knows the story of the 3DS game, like the movie does borrow some overarching plots from it, plot points, but there's still a moment or two where I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess that's how this works here. I guess that, I, sure, all right, okay. And not even like because it contradicts the game. It has it does its own thing. I just mean like even in the in the world it's established, it's like, oh, that can happen? Sure, all right, with no real rhyme or reason of why it does. No real rhyme city, if you will. But, uh, wow. yeah. Yeah, but to be clear, these don't detract from the movie very much. Like, it's kind of it's kind of like what I was saying about the Pokemon repeating. Like, it's a small nitpick, but did not all hurt any overall enjoyment of the movie. And honestly, most of it is great. Like, there's some genuinely funny moments. What's really nice is that while uh, there's a decent amount of overlap between what we saw in the trailers and what's in the movie, a lot of it is still a surprise. The Mr. Mime interrogation scene in particular goes beyond what they publicly showed, and probably the best part of it is after what we've seen. It's also kind of surprisingly dark. Um, there's, I was reading this GameSpot article, actually, about that scene, and just to give you an idea of how dark and weird it gets without spoiling it. Um, well, when they you're first... already spoiled by telling us it gets dark. Well, it, but you don't know. kind of just don't really want to watch it anymore. It's oh, ruined really? the movie for me. Did I? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, really, you're not going to watch it. You don't even know what dark means in relation to the rest of the movie, but... I, mean, I, could, I could mean it's a Game of Thrones that's literally just hard to see. It could just be the battle. You don't even know. But all I was going to say is apparently just to give you an idea, the um, when they pitched it to the Pokemon company, the scene, without saying what the scene is, um, they photoshopped Mr. Mime's head onto the body of Kevin Spacey in a still from a hard R-rated serial killer movie by David Fincher called Seven. And they're like, this is kind of what we want to do. And it doesn't do it shot for shot, just the vibe. And the Pokemon company is like, sure, and let them do it. So that's how crazy it is. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, I won't say much more than that because you're right. That could I guess could be interpreted as a spoiler. But it, it is a really good movie. Um, you know you know what's funny about Mr. Mime? I mean, though? I'm just expecting. All right, when they're gonna take the dark turn? Instead of being completely surprised by it. Sorry. Um, well, I was gonna say. I'm just kidding. I, okay. I, I I don't care, but I know someone might. Someone. I mean. It, Spoilers mean different things to different people. Yeah, I mean, to some people, just saying, I don't know, even the movie was good. Could be There's a gamble of anyone that's listening to this not having seen the movie, not wanting to know anything. Yeah, even like literally. saying it's spoiler free. Yeah. There's still a gamble of what if he's summarizing. I mean, like, like, I'll, like I'll watch trailers, but like there are also some people that literally just yeah. want to know the movie exists and that's it because well, they hopefully just want they're to watch not it. listening to this then because I already they that's on them at that point. But um, oh yeah, because I mean we did make it clear we we're going to at least talk about it. Yeah. So fine. Here's a. Um, Here's a happier thought about Mr. Mime. How about that? Well, and it's not dark. It's not about the movie specifically. Did you know no one knows what Mr. Mime is? 
So apparently, the when Pokemon? they were trying... No, no, no. What I mean is like when they were trying to bring Mr. Mime to life, the movie people went to the Pokemon company, and they're like, hey, what is he? What's his inspiration? Like, what's his cre- what creature is he like? What, what's he made of? What's any of that? And the Pokemon company, you know, the people that made Mr. Mime, their answer was, we don't know. So there you go. Mr. Mime's an enigma to everyone. But anyway, I, I think I'll stop I'm pretty sure that goes beyond Mr. Mime at that point and, like, to any of the humanoid-looking ones, mm-hmm. like... You're uh, probably right. What's the one I'm thinking of? I mean, I know the one I'm thinking of is missing... I'm just, like, messing up on the name. Besides Jinx. I'm thinking you think of the one that wears the the, ro- the ninja robe thing? The ninja robe? There's a Pokemon that wears, like, not a ninja robe, but it's wearing, like, a you robe. Mean, you mean Sock and Throw? The karate gi people? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Gothitelle. Oh. Well, I hope you remember Gothita. Because, Fun... like, she literally looks like a goth girl without a nose. Here's another fun fact. Well, I mean, that... besides the Guard of War and all that stuff. But... Here's another fun fact that I learned when reading all these interviews and stuff after the movie, because I'm totally obsessed with this movie, if no one can tell. Um, Machamp. When they were rendering Machamp, they were told by the Pokemon company, remember, his spandex and belt are not spandex and belt. It is flesh, because it is part of his body. <laughs> so... Just think about that when you're watching the movie or any Pokemon media ever. And that applies to the, the um, ninja guys, too, the ones you just said. Um, well, fucking throw... Because they're wearing what look like robes with have belts, but nope, that is hanging skin. No, they've said in the Pokedex that those are, like, it's bark and something that they've created. Oh, uh, okay. Wild. Well, Machamp is flush. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm guessing that's what it'd be for Hitmonchan, because when yeah. he evolves, I mean, that gi, I guess it's just part of his skin that looks yeah. like... Yeah, which is really... I'm glad they didn't put those in there. That'd be weird. But anyway, I'm gonna, like I was starting to say, I'm going to stop rambling about Detective Pikachu because I could go on for forever. But I will say this, just to kind of wrap it up. As far as I'm concerned, I think this is the single best video game adaptation that's ever been made. They nail the world. They nail the atmosphere. The humor mostly hits. The story moves at a good clip and keeps things interesting. It is, as Pikachu says, very twisty. Um, you know, even if some of the twists are a little predictable. And nitpicks aside about like some of the individual plot points or some of some of the repeated Pokemon, like it's a very fun movie. So if you're a Pokemon fan whatsoever, and if you're here with us, I think you probably are. But if you're a Pokemon fan whatsoever, go see it. You're in for a treat. You're not gonna have Citizen Kane. You're not gonna have like it's not Blade Runner, but it's very good and fun and just it's super cool to I see. I mean, that seems to be the like movie. the I don't know. I guess the, the magic formula, like yeah. if you're gonna adapt something, just create an original story most of the yeah. time. Because, yeah. I mean, like, that's kind of what helped Wreck-It Ralph. I mean, when the first one came out, that for a long time was considered the best video game movie up to that point because it wasn't about a specific video game property. It was just about video games in general. I, I think there's two parts to that. I think, yes, you need to create an original story, and I think you need to do it in the world that is established by the thing you're inspired by. Yeah. Case in point, Sonic. Because on the other end, on the other side of the spectrum from Detective Pikachu is the Sonic movie. And the trailer came I know, out. Like, why doesn't anyone try to do it in Mobius? And... Mobius. That's where Sonic's from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other <laughs> planet. Yeah. Even though it's sort of not really a planet, but kind of is a planet. What do you mean? Not, uh, somewhere I read some Sonic fan was going on a whole tear online about how they're treating Sonic like he's an alien in the movie, but he's not actually an alien. It's like some other thing, like a time dimension. I mean, by dealio. dimension, he's an alien. I guess. But, I mean, yeah, he's from another planet. I mean, I aliens pro- are I from pr- planets. They don't I just... probably shouldn't listen to the <laughs> raving Sonic fan on Twitter. Just a thought. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure even like the like the UFO aliens that everyone associates with, you know, like yeah. pe- people from space, like they yeah. they have to come from some kind of planet. At That's this true. point, they're just um, um, what's the word? I'm um, not Voyagers. Um, Travelers. The, those people that pretty much don't have a home. Nomads. Just, yeah, 
Like, yeah. I mean, I guess they're just nomads to some I, people. I guess. Yeah, I mean, and the thing about alien is it literally just means something foreign, so it doesn't have to be yeah, exactly, space. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, okay, definition, I'll, I'll take didn't... back that comment. But, um, yeah, that movie. The point I was going to make, like, saying how it needs to be seen Now, when people world. were saying that Ninja Turtles, when they were trying to make them aliens... That oh, well, that was dumb, because yeah. there's an actual origin story of radiation ooze and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that takes away literally a lot of the, you know, the origin, like, the it, entry. They're not mutants if they're from space. Yeah. You have to mutate to be a mutant. I mean, they could change how they got mutated, but I mean, it's in the name. It's yes, in the it's name. Literally, <laughs> they are mutants. But um, but no, what I was going to say about Sonic, to your point about it needs to have an original story, and then I was piggybacking with it needs to be set in its own world, is like, I honestly think the biggest problem with that trailer, we could talk all about the design and all about his teeth in a second here. Why does he have human teeth? But I think the biggest problem is that they did the whole stupid fish out of water story instead of building a movie inside Sonic's world. Like, it's too much, like, Smurfs or Alvin and the Chipmunks. Like, even the Mario movie knew to do it right. Like, the Mario movie, they do fish out water, but it's in reverse. They send people from Earth into the Mario Mushroom Kingdom. That makes more sense. So, like, like if when I was I went back and watched the Sonic trailer after I saw Detective Pikachu. And I was like, you know what? Hold on. Let me, let me pretend here. The blue thing is now a yellow thing named Pikachu. Robotnik is now Team Rocket. How dumb is this movie still? And I was like, oh god, if they made a Pikachu movie that was there's a loose Pikachu blowing things up with his electricity, they're sending in Team Rocket, not realizing they're evil to help from squash the government. it from the government. Like that would be a horrible movie. So is the government. <laughs> so like that's the problem. It's like it's Pokemon just not are coming the right... in from these portals from another dimension. Exactly. It's got the US military involved. Oh we should recruit oh, Team Rocket. Yeah, we have our expert. Oh no, Giovanni. You yeah, you don't mean Giovanni. Yeah, exactly. And then he comes in and he's Jim Carrey doing a uh, sort of weaker version of the mask. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it, it, it wouldn't work. And I think that's Sonic's problem. I think they have the – Jim Carrey's no doubt a, like talent. He's a talent. They could do something with that easily. And Ben Schwartz is a great voice actor and he plays Sonic and they could do something with that. And they nailed, at least to me, Sonic's tone. Like him, when he was talking, stuff felt like Sonic, like uh, like you know his sarcasm and everything. But just the setting is what ruined it, and his design. Eggman is a very good character too, so I mean, yeah, no, like it works. I think it's fine. It's just the the setting and the setup is what doesn't work. That and the design. So I'm curious because you you have you're more in the Sonic world than me. I would say, what was your takeaway with the trailer? Because I've seen it now, small screen and on the movie screen. I mean, honestly, like I don't know. Before the trailer came out, like we knew Sega wasn't really involved in it. It was just more like they got. They licensed it off, and they're like, "All right, yeah. we wash our hands of it." The, the, so pretty much as soon as like that was like made official, we knew mm-hmm. that. Like I kind of didn't really care like what this movie could do. It's just like the only Sonic movie I'm gonna care or be critical about the one made or with Sega's involvement. Kind of like the Mario movie coming out later from Illumination, where Miyamoto's overseeing it. So right, like that one will be under more. That'll scrutiny. be much better. But I mean, if it was, but if it's like this, then. I don't know. Well, I mean, what's funny is it the, just looks like your typical CG, bad CG movie like Yogi or Woody Woodpecker. Yeah, or, it's one of the fish out of animal acting weird with humans. What's funny is the Sonic, the head of Sonic team, actually put out a statement or was quoted as being like, "Hey, hey, 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 we have nothing to do with this. We advise them, but then they do what they want. Like, I, I'm funneling the feedback from you guys, but yeah, yeah. Even when the design got yeah sort of revealed, they put out a comment like yeah we didn't really approve of that but. yeah it's it's kind of a mess but yeah speaking of the design we, we should talk about that because he has human teeth why does he have human teeth he's a hedgehog why is he more human than the hedgehog? part that bothers me the least but i think it's the part of bothering me because it makes no sense it makes him look like it's a weird costume or I something i mean he has teeth i mean would it look better if they give him just one solid block because that's what he either has. yeah 
I think it might. Or like if they did pointy ones, like a hedgehog would have. Because I mean, or just no teeth, like Pikachu. I mean, just go no the teeth. The song doesn't even really resemble an actual hedgehog. I know that's part of the problem. He looks like a man dressed as a hedgehog that somehow fell into I know, the ooze right. from Ninja Turtles as now a mutated manchog. I mean, it's weird. They mess up by just not embracing the. I mean, Sonic already has odd proportions. He works in his cartoony world because he's a cartoon. Yeah. People expect Sonic. Just make him look like Sonic. Even if he looks out of place, like he doesn't look like he fits in the world, at least he'll look like Sonic. Yeah. And people will at least be happy with that. I, I think, honestly, the one time I was like, okay, he looks pretty good, is they did a zoom in on his eyes when he said, gotta go fast. I'm like, that's not bad. And then they that put it. That great when he was in the spin dash. Cause yeah, because you can't, really can't see him. <laughs> can't mess up the blue And ball. there's also the poster. They put out a new poster where it's him running through some Robotnik's robots. And I thought that poster actually looks kind of cool. Like, mostly because of the robots. The robots look better than Sonic. But. Yeah, it's I I don't know like I, I mean, say embrace the one eyeball. I they should. I think it's also kind of crazy. That, that, that that would be a statement because they're like you know what we're really define the logic here. He just has one giant eyeball, two pupils, as he should have. He's an alien apparently, as we've established. So it's not weird anymore. They can do whatever they want. I mean, the, he, yeah. I mean, the, the fact is he's just not a real creature. So like, who cares how he how realistic he looks? I don't know what executive yeah wanted him to be like. Nope. His legs don't look like he could run that fast because they look like noodles. Like, give him more girth? I don't know. Give him, beef him up. Get, have him go through leg day a few times, a few extra times. Yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, it's 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 crazy to me. Our, that our, the, our belief is already suspended when you have Sonic there. So why yeah. why, why why bring him down? Yeah, it's know. it's strange. The thing I think it's the craziest of it all is like the feedback was so strong. It's literally, the, that Paramount's the whole, actually the Pikachu thing. Like they they it. embraced it. Yeah. So, and then they made him dance for two hours, and it was it made my week. I mean, sure, it made some Pokemon look creepy, but you but you can't deny that. Like, well, they still followed the model. Like, I mean, also they look creepy because they're kind of meant to be creepy. Also, um, I know Jigglypuff got a lot of flack. There are scenes in the movie where Jigglypuff, she's only in a few, yeah. but looks adorable. I mean, like, Jigglypuff it's just fine. Jigglypuff looks great. Um, I mean, she looks like fuzzier than I would imagine, but I wouldn't say yeah. it looks bad. I mean, it's like Pikachu itself, like. It doesn't. Whenever you see it, like on see, like in Smash Brothers, and then you zoom in on Pikachu, mm-hmm. it just looks like one blob, rubbery. Like there's like no indication of fur, like other yeah. characters have. Yeah. So it's like, what is Pikachu? Does he have like a matte finish? Like I kind of like. <laughs> he's like he's like an aftermarket car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I like the, you know, the Pikachu we have now that looks like very fuzzy and very young. He looks yeah, very he huggable. Looks, yeah, exactly. Um. Also, there's some like Psyduck is great in the movie. I'm not. He's in the trailers. I'm not spoiling anything. But uh, no, Sonic, the thing that blows my mind about Sonic is the feedback was so strong and so swift that they actually are redesigning him, which is insane given that the mo- movie's out in like five months. Like, I mean, what what's the process for something like that like you, do you think? Because you, you do animation. It takes a while because they, they'll definitely have to redo a lot of the mocap because the if they're going to – depending on how drastic the redesign is, mm-hmm. like – they're either going to have to work within the limits of the current model mm-hmm. and everything will have to stay in those proportions just look a little different or they're going to have to create a completely different skeleton and pretty much redo a lot of the I'm going to guess they're just going to tweak because they only have five months. Yeah, like unless they're... Because they didn't announce that they're going to delay the movie. No. But they also didn't say they were. They're also so. still screening the trailer with the wrong design. Like I saw it before Detective Pikachu and, and his teeth are worse on the big screen. But <laughs> I saw it before Detective Pikachu and I was like, huh. They're really just... I mean, it makes sense to pair them, but... Yeah, so, The I mean, contrast between them is amazing, though, in terms know, of I mean, the difference. The only thing I could hope is that some of the designers 
from the get-go knew this was like a bad idea mm-hmm. and had done some concepts are like all right uh, this is kind of how we would have liked to make them and maybe even started on that maybe they did some tests with a more accurate design and they just kind of progressively made them worse and worse until they're like perfect or until the execs are like perfect yeah. yeah so maybe they could just go back to one of those i mean we don't that would be ideal because otherwise they're just a subsect of all the of these animators and mocap artists are just gonna be on super horrible crunch and it's gonna be terrible yeah so <laughs> yeah as if crunch wasn't bad enough in the game industry just wait till you have a movie starring a game character who needs to be redesigned from the ground up in five yeah, months usually movie industry is a lot better about crunch but because yeah. yeah. they're more they're, they're more established in terms of unions and everything yeah. somewhat yeah, yeah exactly um but yeah it's just well hopefully the design helps but the problem the problem for me besides the like fish out water plot is like the trailer felt like someone made a list of every video game movie complaint and then accidentally put it in the to do folder instead of the do not folder. Like I don't know like the the song choice is kinda of weird, shoving Sonic in the real world's kinda of weird, the design of Sonic obviously. It felt like they kinda of poochied the whole thing. Like remember Poochie from The Simpsons, the itching scratch episode where they make the cool new character? Well, who's Poochie? You must know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That was more setting up for people listening <laughs> who may not. But, I keep forgetting that honestly sometimes. Like, oh, uh, and he has to go back to his home planet, which coincidentally Sonic has a home planet too. No, but um, like Sonic himself is fine, but the whole trailer just had this vibe of like, oh, we have to be cool and 90s cool because like Sonic. So like Gangsta's Paradise, yeah, that was a big rap song the year Sonic 1 came out, I guess, maybe, or around then, but it just felt really out of place here. Like some of some of the stuff felt like on character, but like, I, I don't know, the whole thing just felt a little too much like tood. You know what I mean? Like, even, even things like when he was, like, drumming on the missiles when he was doing his little Quicksilver and X-Men moment, slow-mo running through the missiles, I was just like, eh, that feels a bit much. But Really? I don't know. That one wasn't as bad as Gangster's Paradise. But I, I, I just think it's, yeah, the vibe just felt, of uh, the whole thing was just like, this is interesting. But uh, the thing I found So the thing to assume I can't expect you to be watching it? I'll probably watch it just to watch the train wreck. <laughs> but I, I think the funny thing is, like, if you were to have asked the kid in 1995 let's say which movie would be gritty and which movie would be overly kitty mario or sonic i'm pretty sure they would have gotten it backwards i think they would have been like oh the mario movie is what sonic is and sonic should have been what the mario movie in 1993 was like that feels more like what they actually should have been but somehow here we are and they're reversed hmm. which is kind of weird look at that yeah there, there are three things i think they got right to to be fair um, replacing the stars of the Paramount logo with rings was a nice touch and I did actually like the, the at the end of the trailer the joke about the uh, is that a kid in your bag no not my kid or whatever. I was like okay that's actually kind of funny um, and also I have to give a child abduction is hilarious yeah sure is uh, I also had to, <laughs> to give credit to um, the tagline I mean that's some random tale podcast level punnery every hero has a genesis like if i knew i can make a career out of just our podcast titles but like for movies i'd be getting so much money right now i mean like why stop there why not do like this hero has mega drive or like uh what else featuring a dream cast or there 32 times the 32 x the danger i don't know that one doesn't work as well but like i could i could do these puns all day it's our podcast titles so I, I appreciate the lame here as a jet. Saturn. <laughs> yeah, he's from Saturn. There we go. There's another one. Uh, he's getting the gaming gear. Okay, that doesn't work. Game time, gear up. But gaming gear in all caps. I'm out of them. Anyway. Yeah, any other thoughts about Sonic? Um, 
No, I guess we've pretty much summed it up. I guess on to the next thing on the docket. Well, it's funny as the next thing, and I hate to circle back. I know I said that I'm not. I do want to circle back for a second to Detective Pikachu. It's for a reason. Awesome. So, <laughs> the way you said that, it's not. I'm not going to go back into the movie, but we spent a lot of time talking about like the movies and what Pikachu does right or what Sonic does wrong or what have you. But the other half of this is there's the whole marketing machine surrounding them, right? You know, these are big like temple events. There's a lot of opportunity for the brands and with Detective Pikachu we were talking about how it did at the box office that's a huge audience that's now tuned in to Detective Pikachu and you would think that would be leveraged right like you would think oh there's gonna be a ton of merchandise gonna be a ton of games gonna be all these tie-ins Nintendo I feel like is kind of squandering it like I mean there's a lot of toys at Target that's Pokemon Nintendo I mean like Nintendo themselves a lot of ugly Mewtwo's yeah a lot of weird Messed up Mewtwo faces. Like, like, why can't they get the faces right? It's I so mean, bizarre, especially because Pokemon companies usually really good about quality control like that. Yeah, it's like if you're gonna make the toy or at least a plush, like at that point you could just make it look like any other release of that toy at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Only a few actually have to look different, and yeah, that's like exactly. Jigglypuff and and Pikachu somewhat. But because um, he needs a hat. But no, the thing I was thinking is more like Nintendo themselves are squandering it because like. There's no big marketing push we're, we're talking about around any Pokemon video game right now that Nintendo makes. Like, the most they've done that I've seen is they've sent out a couple tweets like, Hey, did you see Jigglypuff in the movie? She's also in hashtag Pokemon Let's Go for the hashtag Nintendo Switch. And that's their whole marketing. Like, why is there not a new ad campaign for Pokemon Let's Go or something? Like, at least. like Yeah, for a company that owns... The franchise. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think the most surprising is they didn't Isn't time... Isn't it just 49% or 50 They own... Well, so they own half a Pokemon company, and I think Creature owns the other. Or they own somewhere between a third and half, but they own the IP. Yeah, I knew it was, like, very close. I want to yeah. say it was, like, 49 and 51. Something, something like, like that. that. But yeah. they, they, the way the IP rev share and copyright works, they basically own it, even yeah. though they own half the company. Um, but, yeah, I think what's most surprising, never mind not having a marketing push for those games, how on earth did Nintendo not time any releases with the movie? Like... This would have been a great opportunity to do a Switch port. A re-release of, of Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. Yeah, do it in HD. Put it on Switch. I mean, there are so many people that never got the game on 3DS. There's a lot of people that didn't even know the game existed. The person I saw it with on Thursday, oh, I was, he's like, wait, it's based on a 3DS what game? I'm like, up, yes, it's What if they updated the game to look like the movie, make all the Pokemon look like that, and have Ryan Reynolds re-record the audio? See, that could... Have, I mean, I'm saying they could go low-budget. Just literally copy-paste the 3DS game and then up-res the, fil- the yeah, change the skin tone of the main character. And, then like, and call it a day. Yeah, like, I can't believe they didn't do that. Especially because, like, the game's plot, while similar on a high level, is actually pretty different in terms of, like, individual beats and setting, uh, sayings and scenes and whatnot. So, like, it could have made a great companion release. Like, it wouldn't be like you're playing the movie twice. It would have actually been somewhat same end goal, but, you know, different route to and get even if there. you have to play the movie twice, it would harken back to those days when... Yeah, exactly. You would have, like, every movie would have a game time. Yeah, and it's so weird... Whether to, it needed one or not. It's so weird to me that they didn't do that, especially because it's not like Nintendo's pumping out a bunch of Switch games at the moment. We have nothing in May from Nintendo. I mean, April we had Labo, and we had we had Box Boy and Box Girl, but we have like nothing right now. It was a really weird, really weird swing and a miss. But um, it, not even a swing, just a miss. Uh, like at least the Pokemon Company kind of gets it. They have a number yeah. of Detective Pikachu. You miss all those swings you never took. That's true, and they didn't take it, so they yeah. missed it. But yeah, like Pokemon Company, they um, if you play Pokemon Go, there's a Detective Pikachu that can photobomb you in snapshot mode, and all the Pokemon featured Wait, in the movie are everywhere. What is Miracle still doing it? Or no, it's now. Well, no, I think it's now Detective Pikachu. It's funny because I, I wanted to get Detective Pikachu, so all I did was um, just open scra- uh, screenshot mode and just the first Pokemon I saw I put in, so it was Apom, and I just started hammering the photo button, 
and the apom i guess rendered too close to me so all i got was this perfect wallpaper that no one else can see but you it's just purple with pikachu in the corner it's actually mm. a really nice wallpaper but uh it's supposed to be apom's arm or his whole body but whatever but yeah so they're doing nine pokemon go and then um they have the Pokemon train card game. Besides giving you cards with the movie, there's a whole new line of cards themed around the movie, and they've teamed up with retailers like Target and Walmart. Um, you can go on specific ga- specific days to get extra cards from them for free at set times. Um, and like the Pokemon company even went as far as to announce plans for a new mobile game on the opening night of Detective Pikachu. They're actually teaming up with DNA, the guys who Nintendo works with, um, to make something i mean now on some level um the, this timing is totally circumstantial like that's you know dna announced it during their own financial briefing that just happened to be on detective pikachu opening night but again it's one of those things where like if you keep pumping out stuff about the brand at the time when the brand has peak interest it's win-win for everybody so it's weird that nintendo even put out a new trailer for sword and shield or anything but then we have like dna announcing they're making a pokemon mobile game which uh i don't even know what that game could be to be honest um like all they've officially said is it'll be out before March 2020. Uh, the long lead time makes me think it may be a bigger project, but I'm kind of curious like what that means because if there's one thing about mobile Pokemon games I notice is that they've they're, they're never what you think they would be. I mean, we have a puzzle game in Shuffle, we have a figurine battle game in Duel, we obviously have the first successful AR game with Go, and there's now even like an app called Pokemon Pass where you can just go to events like the the train car giveaways at stores and like check the, in with the app there's also that Pokemon Clubhouse there's Pokemon Clubhouse which is like a kids mini game app there's like the Pokedex app I think that's the thing so like I don't know what oh, yeah, the Pokedex 3D is also on yeah now it is yeah. so yeah I don't like know what they would be doing as a new game but I don't think it's going to be standard Pokemon it's going to be something different I mean um, yeah it'd, be, it'd probably be along the lines of you know like Magikarp Jump or something yeah yeah and there's Magikarp Jump I mean why are you any the only thing that comes to mind is I think Pokemon Ranger could be a good adaptation to mobile. Because Pokemon Ranger, you play with touch. Yeah, it already kind of feels spinning. like Trigelia lost a little, like gameplay-wise. Just make it more RPG-heavy. More interactive, yeah. Exactly, and then you can do yeah, that. Yeah, but that's, that's a good idea. But I don't know. like, And plus, it it pairs well with Detective Pikachu because Detective Pikachu is all about bringing this idea of Pokemon live in harmony. They're not captured or trained. You know, it, it's kind of, that's now the mainstream push for like this side of the Pokemon world. And Ranger was all about that and running parks with pokemon and stuff so like it kind of lines up but yeah i don't know it's just anything else you'd want to see out of a pokemon like if you have a dream weird pokemon experience i don't even know what it would be but this weird just, pokemon experience? like a sort of not normal game oh do you want me to get weird with it mm-hmm. uh, no uh, how about your deepest fantasies involving you and uh clefairy clefairy i don't know i'm just picking all Chat-tot. the pokemon you Chat-tot. I was trying to pick a big pink Pokemon. Oh, I mean, I just want a Pokemon Battle Simulator, but, but see, that almost seems too. But it, well, I don't know. But, but that is that too normal, or is that now in well, line with the other stuff? They can't really monetize that. That's not really I'm like sure a, you can. That's not really a game that if you try to monetize that, it would make people just not want to use it. Because the whole point of no, uh, you just pay up front. It's a five dollar flat fee. You pay up front. It's a paid oh, game. Well, not the way that they've been monetizing. I know. Other stuff. I know. I'm being a little yeah. difficult. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, it's got to be something crazy if they need a year to make like, it. Like, literally, just Tamagotchi it. Pick, like, select few Pokemon. Could work. And literally just make a Tamagotchi or Gigapack out of it. Feed or do, like, Poke Park if you and it, and if you they, And they don't die. They just faint, and you have to start over with a new Pokemon or something. So that could be cool. Yeah. That, that would actually be... I could see people going, like, oh, man, i got to feed my blank blank, like, today... And yeah, it's basically an expanded version and of the then, mode in the 3DS games. And, you know, and the adventure thing is, you know, you're taking them on a walk if it's synced up, so you're walking with mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. you know. 
and all that transfers into currency, which you could then use to buy accessories, food, and you know, toys. Yeah, no, actually, Pokemon. that's not a bad idea. And it, basically, it's basically Pokemon, Pokemon Ami. Yeah, but Pokemon Ami, but yeah, that's a good idea. I like either that or Pokemon Ranger. I think are the two that they should do. But watch, they'll throw out curveballs. They could literally like... just get all the assets they had from Pokemon Ami and just yeah, pick a few. Yeah. And then there you go. Like you either you could get more Pokemon with the gems or whatever, mm-hmm. or you could just pay for them. <laughs> yeah yeah it's either gonna be one of these two ideas or it's gonna be something toy out left field like i don't know some sort of weird puzzle game where you have to split ditto blobs up and well, there was already pokemon trozy so yeah and then we had pokemon shuffle on phones already so mm-hmm. but yeah so my point is like you've got pokemon company doing all this stuff they have an app they have promotions and like i say it just strikes me so weird that nintendo is just letting detective pikachu slide by because like right now people are so engaged with the brand and you should leverage that like as much as i hate to use the term seriously but people are brand activated i'm i'm personally very activated right now by the brand of pokemon and like i can't there's nothing there's no video game thing for me to do (laughs) like it's weird i mean like i'm so activated right now that sounds really strange to say. I'm so activated right now. I'm so activated right now. I went to 7-Eleven and bought a Slurpee for the first time in years just because it was Mr. Mime themed. It was Mr. Mime's mystery flavor. And and by the way, it's it's tropical-ish. It's like pina colada or coconut mixed with maybe like berry Skittles, which I think they're actually doing a contest where if you tweet or if you uh, Instagram picture your Slurpee with the hashtag of mystery Slurpee and say the three flavors, you could win a year of Slurpees. So if I'm correct, if it's tropical, like pina colada, coconut, berry go ahead someone you drink the slurpees because while it was pretty good there's no way i'm drinking a cup full of syrup every day for the rest of my life so it's all yours but my uh my my point here is like if i am doing this i'm sure there's kids out there that would want to go buy a video game after seeing the movie or even adults that would want to go buy a video game like if people are buying slurpees missed opportunity to not do more than that i guess is what i'm saying and um actually side note why is the Slurpee Mr. Mime themed? Like, what? It's weird. Like, it's the color. Because at one point, people maybe thought his hair looked like cotton candy. But I, then it turns out it was just a Is that material. what it is? Because, like, the color of it is the color of what he would look like if you ground him up and made him a drink. Would it be more sensitive they picked Jigglypuff? Yeah. Or, and, like, so Pikachu. It's like, and it's like, so are you drinking? I guess it's true with any of these, but are you drinking the Pokemon? Is Mr. Mime the brewmaster, so to speak, of his Slurpee? Like, I don't quite. It's strange. Obviously not, Jason. I know, and you know what's funny. It's though, like when Yogurt Land had the Nintendo flavors. Like, oh, why is chocolate Toad? Or cho- do Toads taste like chocolate? Well, no, but they named it like Toad's Choco Blast or something. Like they put his name in front, so it was clearly not him inside it. But I mean, unless that's just the scientific name of his like meat. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh no! But what you know what's kind of funny is um, I wasn't the only one that his thoughts. Polygon actually got Seven Eleven to issue a statement saying that the drink has no lore associated with it. Let me repeat that. A giant international corporation issued a statement at the behest of a video game journalism website to clarify that the drink is not, and I quote, made of or by Mr. Mime. That's a real thing that happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. If, if, you know, if all that can happen, I think Nintendo could probably pump out a game and sold some copies. Just saying. But what's perhaps like more or maybe even most puzzling to me is like Nintendo's choosing to stay stay on arm's reach away from Detective Pikachu now specifically at a time when the company is really doubling down on the goal of expanding IP. 
Like that's literally their life motto now. Like the last episode we were saying, you know, we were talking about Nintendo's latest financial report for the fiscal year end. And in the time since, the Q&A transcript came out from that meeting. And in that Q&A, uh, Shantaru Furukawa, Nintendo's president, specifically talks about how important IP expansion is to the company. How it's now their main goal, how it's their brand butter, however you want to word it. And yeah, like having Detective Pikachu as a movie out in the world can serve as a halo effect in and of itself. Like people will be like, oh, that's cool, Pokemon. I'm inspired to go, you know, buy one of the existing games, or I'm hyped for Sword and Shield. I read up on it, and I can't wait till the fall or whatever. But I just find it odd that Nintendo. Oh, that is coming out this year. It huh? is, yeah. But I just find it odd I that, like, forgot. how's there no trailer for that right now? I guess I am looking forward to a game this year. There you go. But yeah, I well, only want. Well, besides Predator. Um, oh, I know that. No, that's 2020. Predator? Um, in for... the. What? In the PlayStation Direct. You mean State of Play? In the PlayStation Direct. State of Play. In the PlayStation Direct. <laughs> um, they announced a an asymmetric Predator game where some mm-hmm. people play as soldiers and someone who plays Not even mentioned I did hear about that. Yeah. I'm just hoping it's more like um, Dead by Daylight where you pick what you want to play as right. and you actually Versus do random that. assignment like a Friday 13th. Yeah, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but if you just, you know, only have enough time for like a game or two and you want to play as Jason, you have to hope you get Jason. I don't want I to. don't. I'm always Jason. I'm sorry. That's really lame. Let's just end this here. That was horrible. I'm so sorry. We'll see you guys now. <laughs> but you're saying. Just, just go on. <laughs> um, what was I starting to say? Oh, yeah. I find it strange that Nintendo just. They're like, we're all about IP expansion and didn't. Just how I stop what I'm saying. But I think, I think it's probably worth knowing that, like. Because, you know, I was saying in the Q&A, oh, they talk so much about IP expansion. To be fair to Nintendo. They were mostly talking about IP expansion in regards to uh, their plans to go into China, which came up again and again and again in the Q&A. Remember last episode I was saying Nintendo didn't need to reveal a Switch Mini at their financial briefing because investors were way more interested in China? I do remember you saying that. Well, here's your proof because there's not a single question in the Q&A about the hardware, but there are four questions about China. Whoa! So look at that. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's Cleo over here. I know, right? So let me read your palm and let you know. I don't know, but no, I get it. It does make sense. Like, China is a huge untapped market for Nintendo. But what I found kind of interesting is how like very, very cautious Nintendo's being about it. Like they, they, they have gotten burned before. They used to have a company. I think they still do called IQ I Q U E. Um, it was a subsidiary of theirs in China. They sold weird variants of the N sixty four, the DS, the three DS didn't do that great in the time since they've already partnered up with nvidia um their shield device that you can buy in china you can actually download wii and gamecube games on it and like some of the best ones be you know? nice if we could download gamecube well games. here's here's the funny thing so you would think in china whoa you can download like classic wii and gamecube games that's awesome you want to know what the number one selling game was of these downloads as of the start of april pokemon channel no it was mario galaxy which makes sense right but you want to know how much Mario Galaxy sold in all of China where the uh, NVIDIA Shield is available? 5,256 copies total. Oh, wow. Not good. I think I've, Punch out. I've worked with more kids than that. No, I don't think you have. Maybe you have. 5,000, yeah. You have you? Yeah. Wow. Over oh, the, yeah, I guess because I'm, I'm used to small schools because I went to small schools. Over the course of eight years, I mean, there's at least like 1,000 kids at like, – like, yeah, like 1,500 at the school I am right now. Mm-hmm. And over the last five years, like you know, we keep getting groups of like a couple hundred. Also right, worked right. at the high school. Which okay, that makes has sense. Many, many thousands. Yeah, and then fine. Here's a even lower schools, one. Man. Here's a lower one that even I know I've met this many people in my life through various means. Punch Out, Wii, great game. 
sold 1,373 copies. I thought you were going to say something like two. No, no, but it's like a fifth of what Mario sold, and that fifth is still barely. It's like... I don't, That's about how many kids are at the school. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like I see why Nintendo's being so cautious. Like they tried it with Nvidia, and granted, this, the Shield probably didn't sell a ton in China, but that's so low. Mario Galaxy sold like millions of copies on Wii, and it sold less than five thousand on Nvidia Shield. It's crazy. I mean, in the Q and A, like Furukawa did say, part of the problem is with or challenge with China is it's a very PC and mobile game heavy market that's hard to break into. And and the NVIDIA Shield and IQ and all that are not PC or mobile. So that's probably part of the problem, um, which is why they're partnering with Tencent. They're trying to address that issue. Like Tencent's the single biggest game company and they run their own game marketplace. So if anyone can boost Nintendo up, even if it's still an uphill battle, it would probably be Tencent. And Furukawa really emphasized that even though they have government approval to sell the Switch and bring it over and everything. It could take years for Nintendo to like properly plan out a strategy and for that to materialize and for good numbers to come in as a result. But it's interesting, like from a business perspective, because you know, huge untapped market for Nintendo, huge IP expansion opportunity, and the the Tencent partnerships more interesting even for us outside of China because they make games we play. Like they already have the free to play Arena of Valor on Switch, and if Tencent's now investing in the platform more heavily. I don't see why they wouldn't leverage some of their other IPs or IPs of their subsidiaries. They own a ton of companies. They have investments in a ton of companies. They could easily sway some of the big publishers we see to bring more stuff to Switch if they think there's a benefit in China for themselves to have it on Switch. So it could conceivably be a really cool opportunity for us as fans outside of China. And, you know, maybe one of the games they bring over is uh, PUBG. They they make PUBG Mobile in China. Or actually, they don't anymore make PUBG Mobile. They made a... uh, they had to replace PUBG Mobile. Do you hear the story? This is the weirdest thing Do about tell. PUBG. So basically, Tencent was denied a license by the Chinese government to collect revenue from PUBG, in part because of growing concerns about game addiction and violence uh, that are permeating over in the Chinese culture. And by the Chinese culture, I specifically mean the government propaganda machine. Um, so instead, what Tencent did is they swapped out PUBG for a carbon copy super patriotic version of the game called uh, Hepin Jing Ying or Elite Force for Peace in which you're helping protect China from terrorists by doing Battle Royale and the best part of this game is that if you kill someone in the game there is no blood they do not die they fall down they literally wave goodbye to you and then they hand you a loot crate Wow! every time someone dies it's like the best thing ever. Um, yeah, it's kind of amazing. And whether they bring that to Switch, which I actually kind of want them to do, in all honesty, maybe without the over like overly super Chinese patriotism, but if they bring that to Switch or perhaps PUBG itself, like the partnership could be interesting for all of us. Like it could be cool, and and you know it even could affect Nintendo's mobile lineup because Furukawa he wouldn't confirm any plans with Tencent on mobile games. You know, helping them with mobile games, but. We've seen that Nintendo is now more happy to work with multiple companies on multiple projects. So you got DNA doing Mario Kart Tour. You've got NHS behind Dr. Mario World. You've got Psy uh, Games handling Trigalia Lost. So making Tencent be kind of another feather in the cap will for sure make investors happy for both companies. It'll be another game for fans to play. Like it seems a good possibly entry point for China for IPs before they even bring the Switch. Like it, it, it makes sense. So yeah. 
it's just it's interesting that like Nintendo's like yeah IPs 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 and they're like China 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 and then Detective Pikachu's sitting there and they're like but not you so <laughs> so I don't know but um I really want to try that PUBG knockoff it sounds great it sounds so amazing but yeah besides just the China and IP stuff there were a couple other comments in the Q&A that seemed somewhat noteworthy um one is that for Akala reiterate again how Nintendo plans to introduce new incentives for Switch Online subscribers. Which we've kind of heard before. It's nothing new. But then, lo and behold, a few weeks later, the first signs of it came when we got a, a surprise DLC drop for Tetris 99 this past Thursday. And what's interesting, at least to me, is that this new big block DLC can be purchased without being a Switch Online member. So whether or not you're a paying subscriber... You can get this 10 buck download that gives you Tetris Marathon mode, an offline CPU battle mode, you know, you play against like 98 other bots, and there's a promise of additional new modes in the future too. In fact, data miners already found evidence that there's going to be some sort of team battle mode where it's like two halves going head to head for an overall score and you each get ranked by different titles and stuff for doing well for your team. Um, so first things first. Are you going to get the $10 DLC for Tetris 99? Marathon mode, offline I thought about more? it, but I don't know. It's kind of hard to justify because Puyo Puyo Tetris kind of does the job already. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it... Let and you me... just bought that recently. Recently-ish. Yeah. Um, like, recent enough that it's still fresh enough that it's not like it needs to be replaced. Yeah, like, I mean, if I need to play multiplayer Tetris, I'll just do Puyo Puyo. I think, yeah, I think what's... I mean, yes, I can get... It will get rid of that overly happy music and a lot of the... And the science bear that says Tetris even when you don't score a Tetris. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, I don't really necessarily get annoyed by that. Maybe some people that I play with do and just don't I actually love it. I find it funny, but yeah, a lot of people we play with hate it. <laughs> um, I mean, only if, like, if it had an eight-player mode, that'd be amazing. Right. But, but literally all the DLC it? is single-player. I know, that's it. Like, yeah. if it offered multiplayer, like, for up to eight people, then yes, definitely. But since it doesn't... You're no, probably yeah. not. I think what's kind of throwing me off is that my brain can't seem to quite wrap itself around the value. Like, I, on one hand, it seems like a good deal. You get two modes, plus at least one more later from what we know from the data mining. So that's three modes, four if you count the Switch Online actual Tetris 99 mode, for a total of 10 bucks. And for comparison, like if you look at a game like Tetris DS, that had six modes, seven if you count multiplayer within one of the modes, for 30 bucks. So like, the value per mode is technically better with Tetris 99 by about 20 to 30 cents. But there's just something not as appealing as get all these modes for $30 versus, hey, here's a marathon mode and the offline version of what you already do for $10. Like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like, it's not – it should on paper be a better value, but my brain keeps going, is it though? And I, I think the saving grace and what's getting me to actually go through and pull the trigger and buy it is that, one, there's the promise of more to come beyond what the data miners found. And they said multiple modes will be coming. And two, the online event. So the multiple modes coming later will be included in the $10? I believe or? so. It's a one. I, the way it was implied is it's a one-time purchase. But then again, it's a little unclear, so I'm not quite sure. But So let, let's ignore that reason. The other reason I'd be interested is the um, – the online events are pretty cool now, and I want to kind of somehow signal my support of these. So I feel like throwing money at it's kind of like, yeah, do more of this. This is cool. And case in point, they're going to be doing another uh, Maximus Cup, May 17th through 19th, so next weekend. 
but it has a really cool twist. If you earn 100 points over the course of the weekend, which every time you win, depending on where you rank, you earn more points. So earning 100 could be if you're good, a few rounds, if you're bad, a few hours. But either way, once you hit 100, whatever it takes, you get a free Game Boy skin for your Tetris 99 playfield. And it's really cool because what it does is it takes that middle part where you're actually playing, replaces all the colors with um, a gray on green, old school Game Boy looking Tetris. And it opens up some kind of cool opportunities for other themes in the future. So, and it just looks awesome. Themes are great. Yeah, and you know, and you know, from like Nintendo's perspective, it's kind of clever how they're pairing like Tetris 99's availability to all these non-Switch Online subscribers for the first time with events like the Maximus Cup and the new themes. Because essentially, like what Nintendo's doing is letting folks buy a pure Tetris experience, the only full pure Tetris experience on Switch, and a third of the price of Puyo Puyo, and then turning it into a constant digital billboard for Switch Online. Like every time you boot up the game. There's going to be that Tetris 99 online mode sitting there that you can't play until you subscribe. Or they're going to be pushing all these alerts about how you can unlock the Game Boy theme or this or that or play the Maximus Cup. But only if you have Switch Online. And I feel like, you know, a game like Smash Bros. or Mario Kart, obviously they have online too. But those games since day one were accessible to everyone. They didn't require online first. They're games that Nintendo can only push so far with the online advertising and plugs before they annoy people, right? But for Tetris 99... It's a game that started online first, later offered up offline support for those who just want to pay up. I feel like Nintendo can, like for lack of a better term, I feel like Nintendo can spam it up with online play pitches and get away with it more than a traditional release. Like, I bet you, at this point, they'll never have a higher success rate of converting people to Switch Online if they bought Tetris 99 than by suddenly, re- or I, re- I worry that bad, they will have a higher, So I'm trying to say. They will have a higher success rate of converting people if they buy Tetris 99 than from any single uh, NES game in the library. There's over 40 NES games now. I doubt, suddenly, someone's going to be like, oh man, it's May. They added Donkey Kong Jr. and Excitebike and Kluku Land. I love one of those three. Let me pay $20 a year now. Like, that's not going to happen. I I haven't even keeping track of the last two months of games. Exactly. Like, it's not... Their value add for people who already have Switch Online. They're the value not feels sellers. value like it's diminishing over time. No. <laughs> yeah, no, but... <laughs> but no, like, I'm, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, they're not trying to... Those aren't the sellers of Switch Online. But Tetris 99, on the other hand, if you're hooked on the offline stuff, and then they keep going like, hey, hey, you want to do online? Hey, hey get this cool skin. Hey, just, just, just press the subscribe button. It's super easy. Like, that will get people to do it more. So it's a really kind of crafty clever way to promote Switch Online in a different way than they have before I feel like and then for us it's just more content which is kind of cool granted we have to pay but still that's true so, so yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna cave and buy it yeah but uh, and, and like really regards to Nintendo's modes it's just cool to see things you purchase get expanded out further at no further cost like one unrelated thing that comes to mind is Horizon Chase Turbo which I shared impressions of back in episode uh I don't know, like 194 maybe? It was in January. And for those who missed it, basically the game's a modern interpretation of OutRun or similar early 90s racing games where you're kind of just weaving around cars as you race. That's kind of the whole thing. And there's a mode in it that I didn't talk about much at the time called Playground. And it's it's where you're presented with these different challenges that are sort of mixed and matched. You have to have a, you know, you may have a different goal like winning or a time attack or a certain track and you have to do a certain track or be restricted to a certain car you know all these different scenarios and they change daily and they have individual leaderboards and everything and it's basically an easy way to extend the life of the game it's kind of like we were talking a few episodes ago about rico that first person shooter where they have the daily challenges it's very much that 
and it, it works. I mean, it's fun. It keeps things fresh and interesting. Uh, the leaderboard's a big help. And now, kind of out of nowhere, the game's offering, or will be getting, a free update that will revamp Playgrounds to include prizes and special cards that you can't get otherwise. So basically, they're doubling down on the motivators to do these daily challenges. And then separately from that, they're going to be adding new game modes and new DLC for new race campaigns and stuff. And it's... The only reason I bring this up, besides being like, hey, this is cool, I like it, Horizon Chase is fun, you guys should check it out. The only reason I bring it up is we talk about, we've talked about these last few episodes, how like cloud gaming and subscription services and all this technology is like killing the idea of game preservation. There's all these downsides and it really sucks and wah, wah, wah. But it's worth noting that there's the other side of the coin. Like stuff like the Horizon Chase update or the Tetris 99 update or whatever you want wouldn't have been possible Splatfests, all that stuff would not have been possible in the gamecube days or the game boy advance ga- days or the ds days and it's cool that like i'm ta- that we're talking about these things that like my horizon chase game that i bought in december and haven't played recently but suddenly has like all this new stuff that makes it worth going back to i, mean, I don't have to do anything i have to pay anything i mean it's just you there. have to stretch but you could argue that animal crossing has been doing this since the n64 yeah, but that's true. That's true. That, but that's I'll a, give you that. But it's but, all baked in. Yeah, but I know. Yeah, but the game does kind of revolve around that. Like, mm-hmm. so the mechanic is the fact that they pre-baked a bunch of content to last you the entire year, year yeah. that is very limited, depending on the year, which is really cool. It's like a pioneer of that kind of. Yeah, it very much is, and I, I didn't even think of it from that perspective. That's a really good point. But yeah, it's it's just cool that like you think you're done with the game, and then the game's like surprise. Now, granted, that makes it a lot harder yeah, but to keep up one, with games. Yeah, but after one full year, you kind of seen everything. Yeah, with Animal Crossing. Yeah. yeah, but like I imagine, whenever Animal Crossing Switch becomes, which I'm sure will be. Oh yeah, which is even scarier. It's gonna never end. <laughs> it's actually, you know, what's interesting about E3, when, once you, once we fall off of it, it's gonna be harder to get back in because it's like, oh, did you get the last five seasons of limited furniture? Like, well, you know, oh, what's, I guess not. You know, it's funny. To oh, that for point, one week, they're doing all the Pokemon merchandise or whatever. And like, oh, okay, I guess I'm playing for that week. It's funny because you mentioned that and uh, Pocket Camp already has that. Like, I turned it on and it was like, all these new things. But the, the best example of that was I when I got Labo. Last episode, we talked about Labo VR, right? I turned on Mario Odyssey for the first time and I don't know how long. It was about a minute and a half of just new outfit, new outfit, new outfit, new outfit, new because I didn't play it in a long time. And I'm now thinking if there's a game like Animal Crossing or like you know something where it's updated constantly, oh my god, those notifications will never go away. Smash at least does it right; they just have it be one like scrollable yeah, thing. I, you could choose whether you want. Yeah, to keep but reading. like Mario is just like I'm just saying, they're like, cool. Oh, he's a mummy now. Oh, that's good. Oh, he's a safari now. Oh, he's Santa now. It's like just okay. oh, I have to get thousands of coins for. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like I'm just sitting there hitting it. Like, all right, I get it. I get it. I get it. So yeah, that's gonna become more of a thing. You're right. But I am really curious how they're gonna do the new Animal Crossing. Like, if it, is it going to be that heavy on, like, online services? Is it going to be over Splatoon, or is it going to be uh, Mario Kart? You know what I mean? Like, is it mostly going to be online-powered, or is it mostly going to be offline-powered, but have online? And I guess we'll, I, we should theoretically know at E3, which is only a month away. Nintendo oh, announced their E3 plans. Um, yeah, they announced their E3 plans this week. It's nothing surprising. I either. I oh, don't, don't, no, no, no. I'm going to try and convert one of mine, because I have two. <laughs> so, I'm going to try and convert it. So, hold, don't, don't give up hope. But... What Nintendo's doing for E3 this year is the Saturday going into E3, which is June 8th, I want to say. They're doing the World Championships for Splatoon 2 and Smash um, at the Ace Theater here in downtown LA, which is a very nice venue. Much better than where they were last year. Um, And then during E3, they'll have a Direct on Tuesday morning. They're finally just calling it Nintendo Direct. 
It's not like the E3 Super Stellar Showcase or whatever. They, the digital event is just Nintendo Direct. And then they're going to have, you know, three days of Treehouse like they always do. Should, should we see that as a downgrade or... No, cause it's Nintendo Direct E3 2019. As, as some, I think it's a unified... As someone that wants to read more into it... Oh, I'm good at that. I just did that for the last half an hour. Yeah, yeah like, what about it? Is that a warning of things to come? Does that mean, like, don't get your hopes too high up? It's just a regular Durant. Regular Direct. We're not confident enough to call it... An it's a regular, do you or... just call it a regular Durant? It's Kevin Durant, guys. It's just <laughs> reg- Kevin Durant telling Durant. you about video games. Um, no, I think what that actually means is they are unifying their brand of the Nintendo Direct in the face of inside Xbox. So they're saying play. that every time they do a Direct is as good as E3. They're saying if you want the word straight from the horse's mouth and you want the latest on all our games, Nintendo Direct is where to go. Not the digital event or anything like that, just Nintendo Direct. I think... I think the way I read into it is actually backwards from what we're doing. The way I read into it is why did they try and differentiate in the past? And the why the reason they tried to differentiate in the past, I would argue, is because they were still trying to gently back away from doing live press conferences. So they're mm-hmm. like, hey, like we know we don't have a live press conference, but we have the digital event. It's a special E3-only thing. And they're like, hey, we know... You know, we have the digital event, but we have, like, this other thing that's also special in E3 only. And now they're just like, so we do these all the time. We announce games all the time. You know we have bombshells throughout the year. So, yep, here's the latest bombshell bucket for you. It's called the Direct, and it's during E3. Like, that, that's all it is. It was them backing away from one thing, not moving. You know what I mean? Like, it was them, yeah, adjusting. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what, if Animal Crossing shows up. One, one kind of interesting thing they're doing at the press, at a, the press conference at the show this year is they are doing a fast pass, kind of like they did for Smash, but for the entire booth. They're calling it the Warp Pipe Pass, and you'll be able to sign up in advance for game demos. You have a shorter line. Well, I guess if I end up going, I have to look into that. Yeah, but you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and get not, you a pass. It seems not likely. I'm not going to hold my breath. Don't not hold your breath, but don't hold your breath. Just just like cease to be for a brief amount of time, <laughs> and then revitalize yourself once you have an answer. But yeah, um, the E3 thing's kind of a actually it's sort of fitting that we're talking about E3 because um, there was one other thing that spun out of the Q&A that caught my eye and that was a weird vague claim by Furukawa but not really weird just vague claim by Furukawa that now that Switch is entering its third year uh, they have to work on expanding the audience by and I quote offering new ideas to attract the consumers we haven't been able to appeal to yet and it's easy as someone that likes to read into things as we have established is very easy to run wild with that quote I think and assume that you know it means weird innovative stuff it means more labo it means more maybe maybe they, they you buy a jetpack and you fly over a city and then you use your switch as like a google map I, like it could be who knows what but I think I don't think it's that crazy I think the craziest they would do actually no they're not going to do this like maybe the Wii Vitality sensor comes back mm-hmm. but no I don't, I don't think so that would be cool for like Resident Evil or something but I, I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, for some reason, my mind keeps drifting back to normal game experiences. Like he said, they're offering new ideas. And I think what he means is just ones that Nintendo doesn't yet offer. You know, something like Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, let's say. Which, Game Informer, their June issue... Sounds like people are excited for it. Yeah, and like their June issue has a huge blowout cover story about it. Uh, game Informer I'm sure does. it's a fun game. I know it's not necessarily your wheelhouse, but what I think is interesting about yeah. the the story is besides you know talk about everything from the reveal of Hawkeye, Miss Marvel's playable characters, like how the experience system will work, to what oh, to you the got difficulty me. Oh, you, to you got me hooked now. I know to like you know where you start in the game. Like in case you need to know, Angel, you start with the Guardians of the Galaxy. 
that's where the game begins. Now you know. But like besides all that nitty gritty about the game itself, as soon as possible. Do you? Yeah. You actually want to play it? Well, I twist specifically as Hawkeye. You and no one else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, what I was gonna say is, um, we're a dying breed. What? Yeah. Well, he's getting a Disney Plus spinoff show, so you're good. I'm not getting Disney Plus though. Really? You're not getting Disney Plus. I thought I told you I wasn't. You're not getting Disney Plus? No, no. Why th- are you not, it's like so cheap. Why are you not getting Disney Plus? Cuz I could also not spend that money. Fair. Okay. On, anyway, onward. Uh, <laughs> I mean it's like like yeah, it's cheap relative to streaming, but Well, there are no shows you care about. There's nothing that it really offers that um You want to watch High School Musical to show the musical? It's like even like the the exclusive animated stuff, which you think like like oh, why wouldn't I want to see I am more, actually more, more, this. more Toy Story or Monster. I mean, no, I'm, I'm good with less Forky. Forky seems like a weird character. I mean, like I don't know, just I just not really interested. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a overall. I'm kind of have like a save money mentality when it comes to some streaming services, and unless there's like a majority of things I want to watch on there, then. I'm not really going to get it. Like, the only one that I'm paying for is... Let me ask you a different question. It's Are you role. planning to mooch off someone else's account? Not really. Okay, because I know that sometimes you share, like, Netflix's and Hulu. I mean... Most people do. I mean, I'm sure ultimately I'll have access to one. Yeah. But... So you'll be fine and you'll yeah, still watch your fine. shows. So it's not... It's not like you're not... To, to clarify for the viewer at home, it's not... Listener. It's not you're not subscribing. It's you're not paying. No, yeah, but I mean, I'm yeah. not actively, like... Looking forward seeking to anything it out, on seeking there. It out, yeah. I mean, if it's there, it's there. That's fair. So um, I guess, I guess your all your Hawkeye fandom will have to be channeled into Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, what I found was interesting was not him, but in the uh, Game Informer article, what stood out to me is that Nintendo, like Nintendo, didn't see an opportunity to publish this game or wait for Marvel to come knocking since, you know, they're teaming up with, like, every first-party company now. Like, they have multiple things with Sony. I'm sure they're working on something with Microsoft. No, like, what Nintendo actually did is they went to Marvel before the Switch came out, showed them the hardware, and explained their vision to Marvel of making a new Ultimate Alliance game. And only then, once they both were like, let's do it, did they get Team Ninja involved and actually build the game. In other words, like, early on, Nintendo saw a huge potential market, the Marvel fandom, and figured out a game like Ultimate Alliance 3 and we're like this could perfectly marry that fandom that audience we haven't tapped into with the Switch's core concept and as yeah, it, and that game like just fits in perfectly exactly. for the Switch demographic it's always exactly. been a game that even though I never personally care for it I know it brought a lot of people together like both in college and yeah, my, high school some of our friends I played it with in, yeah, on even some people that didn't necessarily like care about the game in general just loved playing it because they were playing with friends. Right. And and that's the thing is like as a game, Ultimate Alliance 3 is not breaking much new ground or anything. But to have it exclusively on Nintendo system, time it to release shortly after the huge wave of end game hype comes to an end. And, you know, then have the marketing kick off with this Game Informer article in the midst of all the end game frenzy. Like that to me, this to me feels like Nintendo doing what Furukawa said they would. They are attracting consumers who they haven't been able to appeal to yet. Those consumers, in this case, just happen to be Marvel fans. Because, frankly, when you have Endgame, already the number two movie of all time in just a few couple weeks... Uh, a few couple weeks, that doesn't make sense. Well, anyway, the point is, you have a huge audience of folks who may be interested in checking out Ultimate Alliance now, but never owned a Switch before. Or perhaps, you know, have the nostalgia of playing the old ones, like you were describing. Like, even for me personally, I'm more interested in the game 
having seen Endgame than I was before seeing Endgame, which makes no sense because I watch all the Marvel movies. But like, I was always like, oh yeah, the Wii one was fun. I plan to keep an what eye if on this one. It's almost like an Endgame of it is of it Marvel is. because they keep adding more characters with every game. So it's like, how many more can you squeeze into? Exactly. It's actually kind of what I liked about the Lego games because since I obviously don't read a lot of the DC or Marvel comics for that matter. At least I get to see, like, whoa, who's that character? Who's that character? Because right. they literally do squeeze in pretty much everybody. Right. Which is always cool. Yeah, and, and, and what's cool is, like, Marvel's providing the ta- the game's writing talent. And they're purposely having it straddle the line between being, like, movie canon and comic book canon. So it's going to be, like, for someone like me who was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. Like, I'm now like, oh, cool, it's going to be actually something I'm familiar with, but kind of a fresh take on it. And that just makes it that much more appealing. So, like, I, I'm guessing you're not buying it, even though you're claiming this is your Hawkeye fix. Just knowing you, I'm no, I'm you're not, not buying it. Yeah, yeah you're, but let me ask you this: Okay, would you be playing it? Because I think it's four players on one system. You can do four people in one copy of the game. So I feel like we could get the band back together of the people in college we played with, I played with, I add mean, you in, or not. I'm not the one buying it. So no, I... but if it existed, would you play it? I might buy it. Is what I'm saying. Basically, I'm putting a feeler out. Like, do you want to try co-op of this? Would you be down? Only if we could. I'm putting you on the spot only, on a only recording. Only play with four people consistently, yes. Yes. but. I can name one other. We can at least have three. I can figure out the fourth yeah, by, but by July. It, yeah, but that's a deal breaker. Has July 17th, I have time. Well, if you can figure that out, then maybe. Wow. You refuse to commit on audio that I could play back to you. That is smart. <laughs> but no, it's just like um, – my broader point here is just that I think when tennis says attract a new or different audience, it's not what we think. It's stuff like this. And this is actually kind of cool now that we're starting to learn more about it. Like the game form stuff, it sounds good, what, what I read in there. so And it's something that, like, you know, if they can get Marvel fans to buy a Switch, what's to stop them from, say, getting Xbox fans from dipping into the Switch? You know, if all these Microsoft collaboration rumors are true, is this another type of audience Nintendo's trying to attract that they haven't been able to attract before? Just the Xbox fan base. And the reason I bring this up is um, a story just popped up the other day that Forza Street may be coming to Switch. And what I find interesting about this is it's a game that is not on Xbox, but is an Xbox franchise. So what Forza Street is, is it's a uh, spinoff for PC and mobile. It's designed for super quick pickup and play. Uh, sort of like Gameloft's uh, Asphalt series, except you don't actually steer. You just control the timing of acceleration, braking, and boost. And they built a whole game around that. has a whole campaign and everything. Um... And someone was digging through the game source code, and there are multiple references to the Switch in the game source code, which makes no sense unless, you know, maybe it's coming to Switch. And if it were to come to Switch, I think they probably have to rework it a bit, let's be honest. Like, not steering is not going to work well on a system that has actual buttons. I feel like you need to be able to steer, because the general consensus I've read is that this game looks nice, runs well, but it's just too simple for its own good. So if they add steering, if they fix that, and then let's say they bring it to Switch, and then they bring xCloud to Switch, you know, the the Xbox streaming service, and it offers a way for you to play your Xbox games away from your TV, but with traditional controls as opposed to, like, touch ones on a mobile device, that combination, like xCloud plus maybe one or maybe even multiple Xbox IP games that you can't actually play on Xbox or get on your Xbox, that sounds like a pretty enticing way to get someone who buys only Xboxes to now consider a Nintendo platform for its first time. It's another example of like the new audience that Nintendo's trying to get in a traditional way. So, mm. you know, is it actually going to happen? I don't know. But like, I think these are sort of the things Nintendo's doing. And what would really get people, at least for in the Xbox world, to jump on is there's that rumor of a Halo port coming true. And uh, the I feel rumor like, is coming true. Or wait, of coming not there's a Halo coming to Switch coming true. Yeah, that makes sense. Coming to <laughs> Switch. 
Um, and if that were to come true, I'm, I'm shortening my sentences into half sentences, I guess. But if this rumor of Halo coming to Switch came true, uh, well, first of all, I feel like it'd have to be the Master Chief Collection. Um, you know, the remakes all together in HD. But if it were to come true, that's just even more, you know, proving Nintendo's point here. And I think, like, the only way that could work is, yeah, if they do the Master Chief Collection. Like, there's a limit of how old a port can be in its original form before it just feels like a ripoff or lazy or cheap or whatever. And um, we're actually seeing a test of what that limit is quite soon. The original Devil May Cry was just announced for Switch. It's almost the worst version of the Mass Effect scenario. Yes. So here's the problem with it. First of all, it's a digital-only release, which is fine. That's what they did with uh, Onimusha Warlords back in January, a slightly up PS2 game digital release. But unlike Onimusha, this isn't up-resed, it doesn't seem. Capcom's being vague, but all signs point to it being literally the PS2 original. Or maybe it's the newer version. There is a collection of the first three games, but if that's the case, why are they not giving us all three? Like, it's rather odd, and it kind of begs the question of, like, when is a port... But the collection has three. Oh, you're right. They did a trilogy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so either they're giving us... I wonder why they didn't include the fourth. I think because the trilogy came out in, in anticipation of the fourth. They well, re- I think they re-released the trilogy. No, the fourth is an old game too. Though. Oh, the, 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 the fifth is the one that just came out. Right, right. Wait, wasn't the fourth DMC the, the weird one with the short hair? No, that's just DMC. Okay, good. Because I was like that I, one. Like I'm, I know, oh, you're right. Yeah, there is just the, right. the I think the fourth four. was on PS3 and the others were on PS2 though. I mean, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. But, but it does lead to the question of like, so either they're giving us a plucked out version from the collection or they're giving us the original PS2 version and like, is the original two PS2 version too old at this point? Like, is there such a thing as a port too old? Mm, considering, I don't know. Yes and no. Yeah, I, that's kind of my take too. Yeah, I mean, first of all, to 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 be fair, Capcom does love to do this. They keep release, re-releasing games. They re-release Resident Evil Four all the time. Switch is getting a bundle of Resident Evil Zero and One in a couple weeks. Uh, we got Ace Attorney Trilogy last month. And all of those pretty much always are the same games, just over and over and go and over. But what makes Devil May Cry stand out to me is that they're not porting over the latest iteration, the trilogy version. Instead, they seem to be either stripping it out to one game or giving us just the original PS2 version. And that that just feels like they missed the boat on the opportunity to do that. Like you can't if you have a better version, you can't give us the lesser version. You know what I mean? Like it's weird. And like to to be fair, like. In terms of time frame, Devil May Cry came out in 2001 originally. And it's not like we haven't had Nintendo, for example, repeatedly... You're right, yeah. Devil May Cry 4 was a PS3 history. game. Yeah. It only came out three years after Devil May Cry 3. Actually, they've all been They're pretty, pretty consistent, consistent. Yeah. and then they stopped for a while. 2001, yeah. 2003, 2005, yep. 2008. And, like, that's fine if they want to give us the collection. Ooh, but... 2008 to 2019 between sequels. Yeah. It's a brutal wait for hardcore fans. Well, that was the, the DMC to... No, that, no, this is 4 to oh, 5, which actually continued uh, yeah. the story. DMC was like a... In the middle and didn't. An yeah. original, like, Size retelling yeah. by Team Ninja. Right, right. But what, what I was starting to say is, like, I don't know if it's so much the age issue with ports as much as it is the value. Because, like, Nintendo, what I was starting to say is Nintendo has done a lot of old ports, too. Like, you just pointed out Devil May Cry 1 came out in 2001, right? Nintendo's done ports that are that old. Look at, like, the Game Boy Advance and all the Mario Advance line. That's four games. All ports. Mario 2 through uh, Yoshi. 
but what those did differently and what even Capcom usually does when they compilate, do their bundle compilate, compilation bundles, I can, I swear I can talk. What they tend to do is they add value to the ports, right? Like there's new modes in a game, like all the more advanced games came with Mario Brothers Arcade added in, or they're putting the game compilation at a cheaper price and the originals all cost separately. Like there's something where it's not like you're just buying the same game without it being touched 10 years later, 15 years later. And I think the unhappiness of Don't May Cry comes from the fact that you know the port it's not necessarily that the port's old or not it's that its value's gone down so unless they sell this thing for like 10 bucks which they're of course not going to do because they're capcom it feels like they're taking advantage of us because like they aren't adding new value they are they're actively if it really is the trilogy ones plucked out they're actively taking away value compared to other past releases of the game so it's kind of this weird double whammy where it's like they're not upraising it but they're not you know they're not enhancing it in any meaningful way and they're not giving you the thing that was already with the enhanced version it's like here's a piece of it for the price that's too much and i don't know it's just it's odd like don't get me wrong i'm i'm all for ports of old games i think it's a great way to expose new audiences to titles if you know they missed it the first time they may be too young or they weren't into gaming at the time or you didn't get a chance to buy it like literally we were talking about they should port detective pikachu earlier and the other night when i saw detective pikachu beforehand my friend and i went to dave and buster's um, it was thematically a very video gamey night for us, apparently. But we went to Dave and Buster's beforehand, and we ended up playing a bunch of the arcade version of Guitar Hero, of all things. And you know, playing that in particular made me remember it's a really Guitar Hero is a really good game. It's a really good franchise. It's funny how quickly you like forget how fun it can be like it's, it's, it's like you, your muscle memory readapts so fast after years of not playing like it was it was really funny that like my my muscle memory not just got back into its old habits of how I play but even when like when i used to slip up in the game like if i had my hand on the wrong thing i'd always panic and just like skip like 10 notes because i didn't really i like freeze up that immediately came back too like that weird muscle memory of like freezing up it was very strange how quickly i fell back into it but um it's, it's like i never stopped playing basically but but what i was gonna say is i think like a game like Guitar Guitar Hero could totally make a comeback right now. It'll take time. I think people still haven't fully gotten over the plastic instruments and having nowhere to to stick them. So maybe maybe it doesn't come back now. Maybe it comes back in a few years. But you know, each each the problem it ran into initially is each new iteration added like a tiny new feature on the guitar. So I was like, oh, should I get the new guitar? I kind of need the new guitar. And you just had all this plastic and then other instruments and it just kept piling up. Um, but in like five or ten years, if they were to do a port of, say, the first three Guitar Heroes bundled together with a guitar, I'd be into that. I think a lot of people would be into that. They could even do like a best of song compilation, which is essentially what Guitar Hero Arcade is. It just sort of plucked the best things from each one. Um, but that's the kind of thing. It's like you have to – they can't just re-release Guitar Hero 1 at full price. They need to do a compilation or do a best of – or do something different if they want to bring it back. Yeah. It's not just Guitar Hero. Like, think about every time someone wishes a series or franchise would come back. Like, often what they actually want, let's be honest, is to re-experience the games they played. Not necessarily as if, like, oh, I've played this before, I want to play again, but they want that experience again. And maybe they don't consciously think that, but let, let me give you an example. I love the Super Monkey Ball series. It's one of my favorite GameCube series. The uh, main game with its mazes is a lot of fun, but what really stuck with me is Monkey Target. Played it a ton when the game came out. Played it a ton in high school. In college, played it. We, you and I, actually, I think when we first met, 
used to play Monkey Target in my dorm at the very beginning when we first were becoming friends a couple times. Definitely not. No, there were a couple times we did. The only time I ever played Monkey Target was actually at your place. That was my first time ever playing it. Really? Yep. You played well, well that you. was after that was after the college dorm experience I thought we had. Wow. Out of context, that's a horrible sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but you played it a lot with our other friends. Yes. I thought you and, were there for some yeah. time. Yeah, but anyway, um, I yeah, like I would have remembered, but yeah, I definitely never played Monkey Target. But it's, it's very fun, right? And like every time a new Monkey Ball was announced, I immediately thought back to Monkey Target and wanted to have that experience again, that Monkey Target, <laughs> that dorm experience. The, not yeah, that that door experience you and I I thought shared. But the problem is, at some point, Sega kind of ruined Monkey Target. I can't actually remember what they changed. It's been years, but I remember being disappointed by how it changed. And now. Just the other day in Japan, Sega filed a trademark for what they call Tibgoro Super Monkey Target. And apparently Tibgoro or Tabegoro, I don't know how to say it. It's Japanese for like in-season or ripe or like some sort of like the fruit is ready word. So basically the name is implying it's a comeback. There's going to be a monkey ball comeback, which is awesome. But then I remembered the monkey target thing. And as much as I want a new monkey ball, part of me is kind of just hoping they give us HD remakes of the original. And its sequel, and then bundle them together and put them on Switch. Because what I'm actually pining for is the original Monkey Target, and there's no other way to guarantee we get the original Monkey Target. And I think that, in many ways, is what the thing with ports is. Like, people will be like, oh, I want a new experience. I want this, I want that, I want the next thing. But I feel like, at least on a lot of levels, what you actually want is you want to relive that one experience you already had. And ports do that sometimes. And the thing is, they just need to offer some sort of value. Like, I think, I guess what I'm getting at is with any game point, guitar, or game point, game port, guitar hero, monkey ball, whatever, it's just about the value. Like, I want monkey target, but I'd still feel ripped off if it was copy-pasted from a GameCube game with no graphical enhancements and zero added value. You know, like, I'd be on board with Guitar Hero coming back, but I wouldn't want them to just press the first game onto I mean, a Switch cartridge. I'd want something... Unless it was severely discounted, right? Like, if it was, like, five bucks? Yeah, if it was, like, five bucks, but it's never going to be five bucks. No publisher would do that. It doesn't make sense. Fine, six. But no, no, no. I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, it's not realistic to expect that. So instead, I need this other side of it where they need to do something different. It's kind of, I, it's kind of like. Best Switch Guys is kind of like a car. You know, the value of the original goes down over time. And with used cars, they could just keep lowering the price. With games, there's only so low they'll go before it's not worth it to make the, you know, to actually release it or do the physical media or whatever. So you got to supplement it by enhancing the package in some way. So whether that's an HD remake, a compilation, some new features, whatever it is, you got to do something. And I feel like Devil May Cry is going to be a lesson for Capcom where if they don't do anything, it's not going to do great. But I'm hoping they do something or I'm hoping they learn that lesson because like Capcom has a crazy good back catalog. That could be so many awesome ports. And I'm a little worried that Devil May Cry is setting a bad precedent. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, what's your take on Ports. Monkey ball? Just oh, on ports. I don't know. Are you usually cool with them? The I mean, usually I'm cool with them because it means I get to play a game that I missed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, either it's a game I wanted to Would play that I never got dip? around to on a port. Rarely no, because, I mean, my consoles and everything is still accessible. If I want right. to replay a game, I could easily replay that game. So, I rarely have a reason to double dip. What about the idea There are of- some exceptions, like... I double dipped on Donkey Kong Country 2 for my 3DS because portable. Yeah, it's just nice playing it. Well, just right. more like playing it in bed, not so much that I get yeah, I get play it away support, from a yeah. TV. Yeah. 
Which yeah, I feel like um, Devil May. That's the one thing Devil May Cry has as it has in its back pocket is they can pitch it on that at merit alone. But again, other games have done that. Like tons of Switch games have done it. Saints Row the Third just came out with the full package, which the whole pitch is, hey, it's all the DLC plus the game, but now it's portable, which is like every Switch port. But the thing is, it's not like they release Saints Row one through three on other systems. They're like, we'll just pluck back out three for a second and give it to you separately. Like, oh, yeah. Even I mean, like Mass Effect, they well, yeah, they I mean, release trilogy when they do the that. Before, it but, sucks, and I feel yeah. it makes me feel like bad about it. Yeah, but ports in general, I feel are a good thing. Yeah, I agree. It keeps the legacy going. I agree. I agree. And, you know, accessibility is always nice. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually just about does it. We were gonna do what we're playing, but what we're playing, we need to play more of to talk about next episode. You have Blazing Beaks. I'll have. Well, I mean, I still have Thrill. another what we're playing. Do you? Yeah. Oh, you're gonna talk about the Kratos movie well yeah but um okay what have you been playing i was under the impression you had nothing to play no i mean if you had listened to me last time you would know no i've been playing a game called De- yeah i know yeah jason doesn't listen he just hears wait no he doesn't he just speaks yeah there we go anyway the timestamps reflect this yes yeah um <laughs> now i've been playing a game called death coming it's a oh you did tell me about this i'm sorry yeah um i don't know just one of those games i just randomly saw a trailer for and i thought it was pretty interesting it's like a it's like a pixel art isometric 3d kind of game with very cutesy looking characters but eventually it's on switch right yeah it's on switch okay. it's also you can straight up tell it's a mobile game it's actually straight up designed for mobile it's better to play this game on the touch screen than it is on the tv because moving the cursor is kind of slow and this game you kind of do want fastish reaction not the fastest but essentially you play as like the grim reaper's assistant because you die at the beginning of the game and you're just trying to kill as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. It's like Hitman, except you could be anywhere at any time. And isometric. And isometric, yeah. But it's all like pixel. Like the people look like um, something you would find like in a preschool playset of a little tiny city. Because that's pretty much what it is. You see like a big section of a city, of a factory, of a museum, like stuff like that. And like you kill people in. From simple ways like just dropping something on them to setting things up, like turning on an electrical like circuit so that you could then expose them to a puddle or one of the more obscure ones and will kind of give you a idea of the rating of this game. There is a like a mistress that I guess like a leader is involved with and you know, like whenever they show anything it's like censored and blurry but I mean it's like super pixelated anyway so it's like pretty funny it's like more for comedic effect of anything oh so it's rated EC for early children no obviously not <laughs> so, remember that was a thing that was a real rating so like that's like the only this is the only kill I'll spoil but essentially you have to get so even though this woman is having an affair with the man in I guess the leader of this factory mm-hmm. you have to get another soldier that you have to find out that she's like romantically involved with to get into that I guess love chamber that she's in love chamber you mean a bedroom <laughs> it, i mean it's a bedroom but like it has the bed is like a giant heart there's like a giant it, oh yeah it's a nintendo owned and operated love hotel yeah it's a love hotel yeah. and then you pretty much have to get them caught in the act of her cheating with this other person so that the man could kill both of them which ups your kill count because mm-hmm. every level has like a ton of little people and you, sometimes you have to kill like at least 60 people to move on to the next level on top of three targets that you have to kill for like bonus points like those are like your like special targets and it gets tough because you only have so many things you can interact with it's almost like ghost trick like where you have to find what you can interact with like oh here are some blinds if i, I if i tap it they'll move up or sometimes you have to 
like lure people to other places like oh if i open set of blinds it'll scare like the people because there's like something behind the blinds which will have them run to this other place where i could then drop something on them or you know like sometimes there are hidden things around like and i almost went but you could make like dracula appear but you have to do something that is a little straightforward but it's like a multi-process thing and there are some other more well-hidden ones that will kill a bunch of people at once mm-hmm. but i mean it's very lighthearted, but I mean, it doesn't involve a lot of deaths, but it's also just very pixelated. But it's literally a puzzle. It's like if Hitman was a little puzzle, and you had Hitman is made for Super Nintendo. Yeah, and like looking at the graphics, and, I pulled and, it up. Yeah, and, and he had like it looks cool, and he had omnipotent powers. But I guess the the only wrinkle that's kind of keeping you on check a little bit, not too much, I would say, is after a certain number of kills, you get angels on you because angels want people to die of natural causes for the most part but you're kind of not causing that so they start going on patrol so when you tap on a you know like on an item that could be used to kill someone it'll start glowing red which means that you queued it up so pretty much everything needs to be tapped twice like once to queue it up and once to actually activate it and that's kind of its way of letting you like okay if it's glowing red that means that you that this is ready to kill someone or if it's glowing green that means it needs some more setup but if it's glowing red or green that also means that you're actively ready to use it. And if the angels, they have like a line of sight that they're kind of moving around as they fly around the stage. Mm-hmm. If that gets caught in it, you get a strike and three strikes and you're out. So you pretty much have to make sure, keep an eye on the angels. You can zoom in and out of the map and just make sure that you're not queuing up something to kill someone with while the angels are around. And I mean, that's pretty much the game. It I sounds mean, fun. It's fun. It's simple. I feel like I honestly would have, once I started playing it, I kind of realized, like, oh, I probably should have just gone on this on the iPad. <laughs> but it, it works fine on the Switch. Um, I mean, you could pinch to zoom. You could scroll around with the finger pretty fast. Um, the only thing is that because the screen isn't that big, your finger does tend to, like, block something that you probably wouldn't uh, want to sure. block. I mean, it's not a it's not a game breaker. It's just I just kind of wish I didn't have that issue. Like, the bigger screen of the iPad would have been way more convenient. How does it? Definitely don't play this on a phone. How does this work on a TV? Um, with the analog sticks. Oh, okay. So you just move a cursor and it just... Oh, okay. okay. And it accelerates, but it starts moving very slowly to kind of give you that right. accuracy. The precision. Then, but if you want to go across the screen, it'll start to accelerate before it starts going really fast. And touch screen is just way better. Right, right. It sounds cool. Yeah. And it looks like it's 7 bucks on Switch. Something like that. Versus 2 bucks for iPad. Yeah. It's that switch tax. Mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But it sounds like I re- a cool game. I'm enjoying the game plenty, yeah. but I kind of wish I had just got it on the other it. platform. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't really. Normally I would look these things up, but I didn't really bother to check if it was available on iPad. Kind of like uh, this game by Image Inform, Ants, that one that we talked about already. That oh, I yeah. We talked about in our GEC episode. Yeah, it's like that game is coming to the Switch, but I, I liked it. And I'm, but I feel like I'm probably just going to get it on iPad because right. it was designed for that first. And even though the Switch does have a touchscreen, like why... It's not the primary input. Yeah, yeah, like, why handicap it? I have access to a bigger screen with a better touchscreen. Right, right. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, can't believe I forgot you had a game you've been playing. All I knew is the games we weren't play- <laughs> playing, but we do have those next episode. Um, you're going to be talking about Blazing Beaks. I'm yeah. going to be playing Box Boy and Box Girl. Actually, you'll be revisiting Blazing Beaks. I'll talk about Raising Kratos next time. Sure. Yeah. Unless we, we still could. Uh, I guess. Um, really quick thoughts. Uh, 
on a really great documentary if you just want to see what it's like to build a new AAA game like what it just like from beginning to end they kind of like they've had this documentary kind of going since the very first God of War like they've been using footage like from all the way back then so that's I, a long term plan right yeah there. and it's pretty crazy just you can see like their thought process like how like they're getting hyped with each game but then it really starts like when they start it really starts in that lull between God of War Ascension which like was kind of like the bridge between 3 and 4 which part 4 is just called God of War uh-huh. and at that point like, Kratos was kind of seen as like a one dimensional character a lot of people were kind of getting bored of God of War so it was like a huge gamble at the time like right. oh what are we going to do like if we put out another one are they going to like it, is it are we just going to especially when it's yeah, like go a to obscurity reboot and then they had to yeah like so you could really like feel the pressure and the stress and it's, it's pretty nuts and it definitely made me appreciate the game a lot more and I wouldn't be surprised if other games go through this I would love so it's actually so it's like a really it's a good watch if you're just a fan of video games like I would even right. recommend you watch it mm-hmm. I don't know you don't really tend to take suggestions from people but I mean I'm just gonna I'm a there. selfish rude man I forgot you played a video game and we're gonna talk about it and I forgot you're gonna play a documentary or like I know, talk about a documentary yeah. I'm just but, but yeah I really recommend it to no, you I'll Jason. check it out we we uh and it's we, on YouTube. well it's you free. and I watched um indie game the movie together when we did? that was really good mm-hmm. oh. wow maybe we did play monkey target together and you forgot because we definitely watched indie movie together or indie game movie together huh. yeah we that. watched it on your computer right here actually huh. yeah wait no indie game the movie came out when we were in college we but we watched it we definitely didn't right watch it here, here when you had your iMac. It doesn't feel. Or maybe right. it was in the other room. That does we not... watched it on a computer screen, not a TV. That does not feel right, but maybe. it definitely was. I could find the tweet and we can check to see what we were doing that day because I check in everywhere. Okay. I'm not creepy at all, everyone. Not in the least bit. All right. Yeah, and with that. And with that, so enough of Creeper Jason and enough of the podcast um, for today. Uh, so yeah, like I was starting to say, next episode. Well, like I was starting to say twice before I kept forgetting you had things to say. Next episode is going to be a pretty good one because we have uh, impressions of Box Boy and Box Girl and Blazing Beaks in its final form. You played it at, at what, GDC originally, and now you're checking out the rest of it. The multiplayer. The yeah, multiplayer so, side of it. and I'll be <clears throat> unboxing Box Boy and Box Girl in the not literal sense. Uh, so if you want quality humor like that, be sure to follow and subscribe to us. You can find us on Twitter at Rand Nintendo. You can find us on podcast apps like uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and YouTube. Our channel is RamNintendo.com and tune in and wherever fine podcasts are sold um or individually i'm on twitter at jsr7 he's on twitter at wero w-e-i-r-o underscore o and yeah pretty much does it um really the takeaway from this episode is you should go see detective pikachu you should enjoy detective pikachu and then we'll be back on may 26 to not and you should become detective pikachu and yeah we'll be back on may 26 which is memorial day weekend um that sunday and we will not be talk, talking. Oh, no. We might talk about Detective Pikachu. You might see it by then. So Maybe. No guarantees. Who knows? It's, it's, it's a mystery to everybody. It's a case that only Detective Pikachu can solve, really. Wow. That was, that was excellent. Thank you. I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs>